Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Not Overthinking. This is a bit of an in-between episode because Taymor and I are currently on a road trip in Scotland and we didn't bring the microphones with us. So we haven't had time to record an episode this week. Apologies for that for anyone else uh, who was uh, desperate to hear more of Taymor's thoughts about children and parenting. Um, this week we have as our episode a deep dive interview that I did with my friend Noah Kagan a few months ago. Uh, Noah is an eight-figure CEO. He runs his own company called AppSumo. Uh, he used to be employee number 30 of Facebook, so very early days, before getting fired personally by Mark Zuckerberg. So we dive into that a little bit. And he's all about helping entrepreneurs start, market, and grow their businesses. Uh, we talk about so many things, um, you know, his time at Facebook, what he'd do if he had a million dollars in the bank, lessons from all of the companies that he's run. We talk a little bit about fulfillment and happiness and how to make a story-worthy life and a load of stuff. So if you're into that sort of stuff, hopefully you'll find something useful from here. Before we get started, just a very quick word that this episode is very kindly brought to you by Skillshare, who are our returning sponsor. As you all probably know by now, Skillshare is the best place to learn anything online. They've got thousands of classes on things like business, entrepreneurship, tech, creativity, lifestyle design, interior design, cooking, drawing, video editing, like a load of stuff. Uh, if you go to skillshare.com slash not overthinking, you'll get a two-month free trial. And currently, I've got four classes on Skillshare. I've got one about how to study for exams, which has got about 25,000 students and very good reviews. I have another one about productivity, how to become a productivity fiend. I've got one about how to edit videos in Final Cut Pro if you're interested in becoming a YouTuber. And I've got one about how to use the flashcard app Anki to transform your studying habits. And lots more Skillshare classes on the way in the next couple of months. So if you fancy signing up for a free trial, go to skillshare.com slash not overthinking. It does really help support the podcast. And it also means that you can learn stuff for the next two months and then once your trial's over, the annual premium subscription is less than $10 a month, so it is totally worth it. Anyway, that said, let's get on to the deep dive with Noah Kagan. I hope you enjoy it. Is this working? I think this is working. All right, awesome. Noah, welcome to the channel. How's it going? Dude, it's going great. I'm super excited to talk with you. Yeah, man, this is going to be fun. Uh, would you be able to do a, a, an, an introduction uh, of yourself for, for kind of the people? Should I do it with a British accent? Uh, No, it's up to you. (laughs) I've I've been trying to work on my British accent. It's not very good, but I love a good cracker. Oh, nice. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Yeah, man. My uh, the the super brief intro. I was number thirty at Facebook.com, which I think a few people know about. Uh, I was number four at Mint.com, and then I am the founder of AppSumo.com, which is an eight-figure company uh, and the number one site online for software deals. And so I do have a YouTube channel, Noah Kagan, where I kind of share how we started and how I do all of my marketing. Awesome. And you have a podcast as well. I've, I've been listening to your podcast for, I think, over a year now. It's very good. <laughs> wow, man. That's so crazy. Yeah, I have the Noah Kagan Presents show. I, I think my, my purpose in life is to find people like yourself uh, and other people creating or making amazing things and just evangelizing it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, some, that's some pretty awesome stuff. Like, I think... The thing I like most about your podcast is how it's 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 very like no BS. Like you're getting guests on and like they're talking through how their businesses are going and you're giving them kind of like 
you know, no BS advice about what they should be doing and kind of busting their balls if they're not doing what they should be doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just don't like fluff. Uh, you know, for me, it's just more about like what I like to eat. And for me, I, I want to eat actionable things. I want really tactical stuff. Uh, and I think a lot of the stuff out there, you know, like what I was just doing before on my YouTube channel was we literally in one hour wrote an, uh, an email for a company called bestself.co and we're sending it to a hundred thousand people. And so I think it's really easy to come and say like, Hey, let me give you advice and let me, you know, sit in my high castle telling people what to do. But I think it's even more valuable to say, let me show it. Uh, so that, I think that's, that's kind of my, the thing that gets me excited. Awesome. So, um, I wonder if we could start by, uh, if you could just kind of talk through how your career has gone kind of so far, like I guess from leaving school, what you've done, and maybe we can kind of talk about kind of lessons that we learned along the way. And then we'll dive into more productivity and talk about some of the books that we enjoy. Uh, I know you're a fan of uh, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, which I read like two days ago, and it made me cry so many times. So (laughs) definitely want to talk about that. Super excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's been a journey. And and I'm curious for you to share your journey as well. I don't know which parts you haven't shared with your audience. Mm. Um, my journey, when I, when I graduated college, I went to UC Berkeley. I, I didn't know what a BA or a BS was, I guess people, you know, bachelors of science. And I was like, I don't really know. Um, I just knew that in college, number one, I was like super active doing things in college. And I just knew that I've always loved technology and I love computers and I love sales and, and those things. And so I think college, especially, I know that's a lot of your audience. It's like the best time to start a business and start doing anything that you can because you have time and you don't have, there's no, not much downside. Uh, so like in college, I started like a discount card business. Uh, I started a consulting business called HFG Consulting. I started a, a Craigslist for college students called collegeup.org. Most, most of these things failed. Um, but I think especially early on, take a lot of risks, uh, as many risks as you can. Because uh, you get older, we get kind of boring and we get safe and we get, we get scared of losing. Like, I'm like, I don't want to lose my money. And, and I think in, especially when there's less to lose, it's like, go out there and be bold. Yeah, um, like, I think so. For, for me, I kind of started my my entrepreneur journey when I was, uh, I guess, in America, you would call it middle school. I think I, I was around 12 at the time. And I kind of taught myself how to code uh, by following tutorials on, on uh, W3 schools and things like that. And then I started yeah. kind of freelancing my services out on rentacoder.com. Um, and I would try and undercut the market because, you know, I was just a kid. I could, you know, get by with $5 for a project. And, and even so, like the Indians would still manage to undercut me. And I was like, why? How is, how is this happening? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that was how I got, I kind of got my start. And through, through middle school, or we call it secondary school in the UK. Every year, me and my friends, we would come up with a new business idea. And every year they all failed, but we learned a lot from each kind of iteration of those business ideas. And so for me, like when I got, when I was in my first year of med school, that was when the, the next business I started, started to do well. Um, so which one was that one? So that was a, a company called SixMed, uh, running courses for medical school applicants in the UK. Um, and I'd kind of like at, at the time in like 20, 2012, 2013, it wasn't as easy to build a pretty looking website as it is now. And so all those kind of shitty websites that I'd made <laughs> for the past five, six years, all of those lessons kind of went into going in, into making this one in, in 2012, 2013. And that seemed to do really well. Well, just one thing to highlight. So literally this morning and starting last night, I made a list of every business I've ever started. Oh, okay. and it's, it's over 20, right? And so I finally, I, I'm worth over a million dollars and it's not bragging. And I, I just want to give people context, but that's after 20 years of trying over 20 different businesses. And I, and I think when I was younger, I was like, I'm not a millionaire by the time I was 30. 
I, we had this idea called 30 by 30. You want to have $30 million by 30. And it's tough. And I didn't realize how many things I've been doing until I finally got became a millionaire. And so I call it the 10-year rule. So if you can find something and work on it for 10 years, you will become a millionaire. If that's your goal. Or if you're trying to be a musician or if you're trying to be an artist or if you're trying to be a writer. As long as you do 10 years of it, you will get whatever level of success you want. Uh, but I, I just didn't realize how long it does take. And, you know, even for yourself, I think one thing that you said that I want to highlight that's so great is you solved your own problems. Like, hey, I'm good at this web stuff. Hey, I'm good at this medical stuff. And especially in college and, and when you're young, just get started. Just get started right now. Yeah, absolutely. That That's kind of the the classic advice I give everyone that it's so easy to spend so much time thinking and reading and, and stuff. But getting started is like is is you know the first step um I, w- I wonder if you can tell the story of how how was your time at facebook like employee number 30 that's pretty early on isn't it i mean i think there are around fifty thousand employees <laughs> now so yeah i would say you know like I, I was literally just uh in a previous conversation mark hated when you hyperlinked periods and okay. he had a really he was really interesting like this is a guy that at 21 or 22 i was there and yahoo offered us a billion dollars oh yeah. All right, so Ali, if I offered you a billion dollars to never YouTube again, drop out of medical school, and then you have to start a new career right now, what are you going to do? Oh, that would be tricky. I'd probably take it, to be honest. <laughs> a billion. Yeah, a billion a is a billion. lot. It's quite a lot. I would, I would definitely take it. <laughs> I'd figure out something else to do with my life. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think one of the things that people don't appreciate enough about Mark is that he's had to make good decisions for 20 years. Great decisions. Hmm. for six it's been around since 2004 for 16 years anyone can have a company for one year do well but for 16 uh and so i think what mark did well and what was interesting about that experience i said it started saying earlier he would notice on a help page if a period was linked and he would fix it or he would tell the team you need to fix it and so i think his attention to detail was unparalleled but i think something that's even more important that wasn't that's not really talked about or recognized from mark he had a vision that was so appealing and so big that we I dedicated my life to working there. And I think that's what's missed in a lot of com- people trying to start businesses or some of these companies not, not doing as well. Mark said, we are going to connect every single person in the world. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> but he said that in 2005. And he said that when he rejected a billion dollar offer. And... That says a lot about what he was trying to accomplish. And, you know, I think there's something there when what do the people do when they already have so much money they don't have to work anymore? And so what I always encourage people is how do you just do that work now? Like, it's so obvious that you love making YouTube videos. Mm. I don't know. Maybe you're like you secretly hate. (laughs) Well, when I watch your videos, I'm like, this guy is it's not natural because you're putting in the work, which I think people don't realize, but you're enjoying it. And I think there's something there about find the thing that you do if you have a million dollars in the bank. And guess what? By doing that, you'll actually get the million dollars in the bank. Yeah, this is actually something that I've 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 been asking a lot of doctors and medical students for the last kind of six years since since I got into med school. Is that you know, if you won the lottery, would you still want to be a doctor? And Ooh. the story that I tell is that like of in in the past like actually I think it's yeah in in the past eight years of asking this question about half of the people have said they would leave medicine completely and the other half have said they would still do it because it's fun but they would go part-time and then the next question is okay why don't you go part-time from today and the answer is always well you know i've got bills to pay i've got the mortgage and stuff 
And so like from very early on, I was like, okay, this is the the future that I want to avoid. I don't want to be in this position where, you know, I've done this six years of med school. I've done all these years of training and I'm now a doctor. But, you know, my answer to that, if you want the lottery question, would be something different to exactly what I'm doing now. And so that was kind of the thought process that started me on this path of trying to set up businesses and passive income and financial independence and all, all that kind of stuff. Because medicine is fun, but I don't think anything is fun if you do it full time. And so that's kind of the the future I'm trying to mitigate against. Would you rather do YouTube full time or medical full time if you had to choose? Uh, if, if, if I could only choose one, probably YouTube full time, just because you get a lot more freedom. Um, but ideally, I'd like to do both kind of part time. I, I don't think I'd want to do YouTube full time. I feel like it would lose some of the charm if it becomes kind of like a full time job. Yeah, I remember I, I was at a dinner party in New York years ago and I met this girl and, you know, I, I whenever I'm at, uh, you know, meeting new people, I try to avoid asking what they do. I, mm. I try to hold out as long as possible. I make it a game. <laughs> I try to I'm like, oh, you're going to ask me. You lose. And so uh, I we, we ended up talking. And she's like, oh, I'm an ice cream maker. I was okay. like, oh, that's such, that's such a cool, cool job, cool career. And I was like, oh, how much ice cream are you eating a day? And she she's like, I haven't eaten ice cream in two years. And so <laughs> I thought there was something kind of an interesting story in that, which is, you know, sometimes if you do something you love so much, you don't even end up liking it. So I think generally, like, find the thing that makes you money that you enjoy, but also kind of keep these hobbies. Because for me, the hobbies, it kind of keeps my stimulation going. Like, I'm into chess. So you can play me chess.com. Oh, uh, nice. Okay, yeah, we, we should totally have a game sometime. <laughs> oh, uh, well, my username is OKDork. I don't know if yours is public, but we uh, can... Uh, we yeah, I think like last time I had like a session on chess.com was I think in like 2015 or something, but I'll, I'll have to check my account. <laughs> I'll, I'll add but, you as a friend on that. <laughs> but I think your point is good. And so what I try to do with, with myself and my company is like we have AppSumo.com, which is it's our cash cow and it makes all of our money. Uh, but a lot of my experiments and my curiosity from reading to chess to okdork.com to even my YouTube channel, hmm. those are I can take higher risks and learn things that I can then bring into like kind of my main thing. So I think that's kind of what you're what I hear you saying as well, where like you get kind of flexibility between both those worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of the 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 ideal place to be. So you were at Facebook for a bit and then you left Facebook and then you joined Mint after that. Is that was that the trajectory? No, I got fired. Oh, OK. <laughs> what was the story there? Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're so open there, to talking I, about it, because yeah, I wasn't going to bring I, it up because I was like, this might be a bit of a sore spot. But it's, no, since, it's, since you bring it up, you know, no, I think a few things. So one, I think chips on shoulder uh, create successful people. I think if you have some, like you have to have some purpose. So for me with this whole coronavirus thing, I have literally felt compelled to help people start businesses or do their marketing, or I've been calling myself a confidence cheerleader because I'm so excited about all the stuff happening for people that want to do work, like the action takers. Um, and so I felt called uh, into that. With my with my Facebook experience specifically, um, I you know I think there's a different component, a few different things there, but I don't think I think they they were right to fire me. I think if I was Mark and that team, I would have fired me too. Uh, and it created a chip on my shoulder that has compelled me to go do other things. Um, you know, so I think the thing there to think about because it's not about my story; it's about the audience story, like Sophie or Siobhan Saman or doc, you have a lot of doctors watching. So <laughs> it seems like what. what <laughs> What's the lesson for you? So I think the lesson for you is, is a few different things. Number one, are you invaluable to the company? Not everyone should run a business. Not everyone should do YouTube. It's a lot harder than it seems. Like it's easy to watch you put out a video, but they don't see the hours and the retakes and the cuts and mm. all the effort 
and the years to get there. So you don't have to run a business, but if you're going to go work somewhere, number one, are you invaluable? Meaning if they try to replace you today, how much would they be set back? That's number one. And number two, I think if that's not the case, I think for everyone out there, like you've done Ali, which I commend you on is how much are you creating control in your life? So, cause what you've done is you said, Hey, if the medical thing doesn't work out, I control this income from, uh, Ali Abdul YouTube channel. And so like, that's why I try to encourage people. We put out a course at $7, uh, called monthly which is like, Hey, if you want to do start a business and get a little more control in your life, that's what I recommend. We also refund the money once you make it back. I don't want to make, I don't want to make any money from it. But so the thing with Facebook, again, um, I think be invaluable to the company and figure out like, all right, if I can't control this, what things can I start doing to control? Uh, and I also, I think at that time in my life, I had to mature. I wasn't mature enough to actually be successful there. And, you know, I think what's interesting is what happens when your identity gets taken from you. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's really, I remember the day I was in a coffee shop, Matt Kohler, who's now a billionaire, uh, and Sari fired me at this coffee shop in Palo Alto. I went, my cell phone was a Facebook cell phone, so they took that from me. And so I had to go to the store and buy a cell phone. And then I bought a pack of cigarettes and I lived in a house with all Facebook people. And so I went, I went to the house, packed all my stuff out and I moved to my friend's couch. I used to work at Intel before that. And I just moved into my friend Johnny's couch and smoked cigarettes. And and I basically sulked Hmm. uh, for for a long period of time. How did you kind of get yourself out of that uh, kind of, uh, kind of low point? Yeah. So, and we can talk about, some people are asking about how to start businesses in the Mm -hmm. comments. I see uh, some people are asking that and we, you know, if that's something that we can talk about, I think there's other stuff we've discussed. So I think with how to get out of that, uh, number one, you should sulk. You should sulk, like watch Netflix eight hours, drink a little bit, smoke a little bit, take, just get depressed for a bit. And, And the reason I say that Ali is that I think you have to hit rock bottom Oh, I think we cut out for just a second. So I think my point here is that like you have to hit rock bottom before you can start coming up. And so how to start doing. And so you're like, I hit, I was literally sleeping on a couch, didn't have a lot of money, but all of my friends worked at Facebook. Everyone knew I worked at Facebook and I just got fired. And this is now public. So I think a few things happen. Number one, you need to get your confidence back up. You need to feel self-worth. So what I did right there is just make your bed. Okay. So what do you if mean? you live, if you're, if you're sleeping on a couch, fold the sheets. Oh, okay. Actually put make them your on bed. the yeah. corner. Make your bed. Why? Because you can control that. I couldn't control Facebook removing me or not. That was their decision, but I can control the bed. I can control the gym. So start even just doing a pushup because guess what? You need to do things that give you confidence. Number three, go help one person. And so what I mean by that is look on your phone Right. Or look in your network, look on LinkedIn or look at your schoolmates or look at your teachers or look at your parents or look at your religion and say, let me just reach out to someone and help them for free. And I think when you start teaching like you do with YouTube or you help and you realize you impact one person, you start realizing for yourself, like I am worthy. Uh, The next thing that I would do, there's two other things I would do. Mm. Number one, look at your network. You have a bigger network. Everyone has at least 500 friends. And Within those 500 friends, someone probably has someone that can help you. So look within your network and start asking for help. Like I always tell people to do the coffee challenge. I don't know if have you heard me talk about no, this. No, what's the coffee challenge? So the coffee challenge is where you go anywhere you buy something, generally at a cafe, a cafe and you ask for 10% off. 
Oh, okay. yes. I have heard you talk yeah. about it. Oh, I, I remember one time you mentioned this on a podcast and I broke out into a sweat literally just thinking about it. And I was like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, it's intense. So you ask for the 10% off and your heart is like this. Yeah. And then you get rejected or maybe you get accepted and then you realize you're still alive. And the reason I think that's, I literally think asking is one of the most powerful muscles that anyone can, can develop. And when you ask, that's ultimately what you're doing in almost everything in life. You're saying, hey, I'm asking for this job. I'm asking for this relationship. I'm asking for things. And the more that you can become overcome fear for practicing that, things become easier. So start asking your network what you could get help with. One last thing that I want to say that really helped me with Facebook, after the Facebook experience, um, well, there's a few more things. But number one, especially if you're younger, go and start connecting people. Go and start building up your audience. Right. So sendfox.com is a free newsletter that we created and it's something that I just wanted. And so when 20 years ago is in 2000. So is when I started blogging on okdort.com. Oh, damn. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I was before you were born, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But I started blogging. And so I, I think what's important there is that start building up your brand, start building up your audience because no one can take that away from you. So start a blog or, you know, on sendfox.com, start a newsletter uh, and so I started doing that and I started hosting events. So I actually just put on a conference. So I, I think the part there is look at what you, not just your network, look at what you're special, look what makes you special. And so for me, I was like, well, I worked at Facebook. That's pretty special. There's only like a hundred people that can, can say that at that time. So I said, well, what if I put on a conference and what if I started hosting things? So I didn't have a big network. I didn't have any attention at that point, but I put on basically conferences where I hit up these people and said, Hey, I worked at Facebook. Would you mind coming and speaking at this thing? And so I did this thing called entrepreneur27.org okay. where I just started putting on events and then I promoted them. And I started doing that. And then I did a thing called communitynext.com, which I just invited. I just asked people like Guy Kawasaki and Max Levchin from PayPal and the Hot or Not guys. And I put on a conference and actually ended up making $50,000 because I wasn't trying to make any money. And so the point that I'm saying there is that I think especially if you're just getting started uh, in your career, Start building those relationships because I can't tell you now like Ramit Sethi or Tim Ferriss, Guy Kawasaki, a lot of these guys, I just kind of helped promote them and connect with them really early on. And if you're young, people are way more uh, open uh, to having you connect with them. Nice. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> that's pretty great advice. Um, uh, occasionally, I, got, uh, I get people asking, hey, uh, you know, what would you tell yourself kind of 10 years ago? And I would have been like 15 at the time. And honestly, the thing that I would tell myself is, yeah. you know, dude, st start a personal blog, start writing, you know, at the very least book reviews of all the, all the books that you're reading. You know, if you see a good movie, just like write something about it just to kind of build up that habit of, of writing. And I really wish I'd been doing this for so much longer than I have. Cause it's just, it's just such a superpower when you have a blog that's like 10 plus years old and you, you can see the progression of posts and you build the audience over time. And then kind of like going back to all the business stuff, once you have a pre-existing audience, it's so much easier to do everything than to start from scratch. It's much easier to garden than to hunt. Garden than to hunt. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, a garden, it takes time and you have to plant a seed, but then you get this, a lot of vegetables and it's guaranteed. It's right there in your house. But it takes time to actually get that, where a lot of us, we just go out and hunt. And we're like, well, I hope I find something out there and I'm just going to go ask for things right away. And you're going to hope for it right away, but you may not get it right away. And so I think that's kind of what you were highlighting is like start planting your seeds now for things that you can enjoy later. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we've got this uh, live blog going on the side and we've got some questions in from the audience if you're uh, if you're up for it. So 
Uh, question number one is from Adam Al Ghazali, who says, "How do you deal with feeling behind in life, career-wise? Is that anything that you struggle with, feeling behind? I suppose kind of being fired from Facebook is pretty far behind most of your <laughs> friends at the time, especially if you were living with other Facebook people." Yeah, I I think everyone has a different label for it. Um, I think some of the phrases I, I I've had two experiences. One, I was on the streets of Argentina. And I remember being in the center of the street thinking, what am I doing with my life? I was 25. And I was like, what is the purpose of all this? And I just felt really lost. And, and then recently in the past three years, I haven't really done a lot of work, Ali. I've actually felt really discouraged. I, haven't, I think the word that I think of uh, is not behind, but unleashed. And I know Tony Robbins says unleash the power within. <laughs> yeah. But I just think, I don't know, like, I think it's like, have I found my calling? Have I found my purpose? And so for Adam, I, I think the one thing I would do is, well, I would actually do two things. But number one, just go look back at what you used to do as a kid. Oh, did we lose you? Are we good? No, we're good. Yeah. Okay. So number one, look back what you did as a kid that you just really enjoyed. Was it reading? Was it bicycling? Was it writing? Was it photography? Uh, and then number two, look at what you've been doing for in your spare time for free. And so... I think what, what we do is in our heart, I know this is going to be woo-woo, so I'm not a woo-woo person, so just let me put that out there. But in our heart, we know, like, man, like for Noah, I love sharing content. I love talking with you. I love sharing different, like, things on, like, on my YouTube channel or, you know, with AppSumo. I love this. But in my head, I said, ah, you know, that's just another talking influencer. They're stupid. That's another talking You don't know anything, Noah. Noah, you actually, like, your stuff's not helpful. You're not enough. And I, I did that for three years. And uh, I think, and that's our head kind of fighting our heart. Yeah. And yeah, you're shaking your head because you kind of probably agree. And, and we're embarrassed because I, I, I thought about it. I literally thought, oh, my high school friends are going to watch, you know, the Noah Kagan on YouTube and they're going to think, oh, he's stupid. Or look at, he's got pointy ears because I got kind of pointy ears. Oh, yeah, you do, don't you? <laughs> I do, kind of like Spock. And I'm, self, and I'm self-conscious. You know, I'm human. I bleed real blood. But eventually, you kind of, when you go into that heart and you start really following your gut and that, that heart intuition, that is when you don't feel behind. So I, I think that's number one thing I would say for Adam is just kind of like really listen to what you've been doing and go back and revisit it. Like revisit chess. That was important for me. Revisit sharing and, and worrying about not less about everybody else, but just more about yourself. The second thing I think Adam said is behind. Yeah. So to be behind, is that a comparison? And it's, so, yeah, it sounds like Adam is comparing himself to potentially his peers. <laughs> to his peers. Yeah. And so I think comparing is helpful, right? So jealousy, I love jealousy. Right. Because jealousy is a compass of something that you either want or don't want in life. Like I have a friend who was making more millions than I was, which is, is it's ironic because I still drive a Miata. Right. So I don't even use this money. But I think the idea is it's not about where you're behind or not. It's maybe this is giving you clarity about what you really want or where you want to be. And I always think of life as like a Google map. And what you do in a Google map is you try to have to be really spend a lot of time say, where am I going? And then figuring out your route is actually pretty easy. So I, I would just think if you're behind, what I would encourage you to do is instead of worrying so far ahead and worrying about others, maybe use jealousy to compass, figure out. So it's now almost May 1st, 2020. Just decide where do I want to be at the end of May 30th and what would make that epic? Like at the end, this is what we do in our company. This is what I do in my personal life. Like I did a thing called a fantasy 2020 where I said, where could I, where would I be at the end of 2020 that would be 
unreal. Like, just, I'll make a fantasy fiction story about my life. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go to Oktoberfest, right? I'm going to be on the Joe Rogan show. Like, I'm going to hang out with Ali Abdal. Yeah, nice. <laughs> We're going to do some of this stuff. And you start writing down what, where, where you are where you, or where you want to be with that. And that makes it a lot easier. And so I would actually break it down for you in a smaller segment so you can start getting that W. The one other thing that I want to highlight, Ali, because it was so – this is game-changing for me. And if I'm talking too much – No, by all means, this so is good stuff. The, uh, the, the chat is absolutely loving it from what I can see. Well, I love every single person here. Dr. Jork is going crazy. Uh, Hami, Omar. And so one other thing that I've done recently uh, that's been honestly a game-changer, I made a list in my day of what makes my day fulfilled. Okay. It's kind of interesting because I, I was like, well, what, you know, if you think about it, Ali, actually, let me ask you this. What makes it for you a great day versus just an okay day? Just, just, just riff with me on it. Yeah. Okay. So a great day for me would be one where I get home from work and I feel like I've, I've kind of accomplished something at work. Um, I've had good banter with the, the nurses and the other doctors. And so there's been kind of like a social element to it. I think the days that I, I enjoy less are the ones where I'm just kind of on my own in the doctor's office doing paperwork because that's just boring because there's not much kind of human contact. I think a day is good when like often if I filmed a video for the day or if I've kind of done the things that were on my to-do list, then I think, oh, you know, that was a good day and I can kind of go into bed kind of happy. But on days where I kind of procrastinate and just kind of end up scrolling through Instagram, I feel like, oh, well, I kind of wasted my time. What am I doing with my life? So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that we can highlight for Adam is like I have a thing called Gebby, and it's something I put in there. But I think part of it is like, you know, if you're behind, how can you just start out at least your morning strong? And I think there's a lot of books that do it, and they're all kind of maybe more complicated than I want to consume. So Gebby to me is basically what I do every single morning, and I'll, and I'll show you some of it. Uh, but it's basically gratitude, exercise, breakfast, and you. And I do this every single morning. I actually use Strides app. It's a free app. Oh, yes. Uh, I had that downloaded ages ago. <laughs> oh, I love Strides app. It basically yeah. is like every to-do that I do today, I just it basically is my Gebby. So it's like, how do I start my day off strong so I don't feel behind? So gratitude, every morning I write down one thing I'm grateful for, and I just put it in my notes. I don't do any complicated app for that. Mm. So today I was grateful for my stepdad. And then yesterday I was grateful for piano. And the day before I was grateful for bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, just like funny stuff. Okay. And then exercise. So I try to do 250. Well, I don't try. I do 250 push-ups a day. So just what exercise are you going to do? So I use PushFit. Okay. It's a free app. And I just do a bunch of push-ups. And so I get some exercise in. And this is what helps me start my mornings and my days great. Breakfast. So today I had some healthy blueberry stuff. And you. And so I think part of you, it sounds similar to me, which is what are you doing for yourself today? And you know that when you do a video – you feel great. And so that's what I was kind of starting with that makes a day fulfilled is I think people, especially young or old, we can be more intentional about how to make a great fucking day. And so just think about what makes a day great. Is it a video for me? This kind of conversation, hmm. I'm going to be glowing the whole rest of the day. The whole rest of the day, my day is amazing. Like I nice. see all the commenters like Augusta, Frederick, Omar, like Zach. I love these people. Andrew Warner's in the house. He's amazing. Like this makes my day. And so then the question is when you, when it's Sunday, how do you structure, Adam, more of your week to be as maximum fulfilling as possible? Nice. I think that's some, that's some pretty pretty fantastic advice across the board. Um, on the on the point of this making a list of things that that fulfill you, I came across this in some some blog post like last week, and I start, I, I just you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this seriously. And I just kind of kind of started writing down a list of all the things in my life that I really enjoy, and mm -hmm. I kind of got 
I kind of got about like 20 things down on the list and I realized that the whole doctor side of it wasn't really on the list. It was more things like, you know, making videos or, you know, listening to a particularly good audiobook or playing board games with friends or doing practice. You know, I'm trying to teach myself music theory with piano and guitar and stuff. And those are the things now that are bringing me more fulfillment than my job. And that was another kind of signal in my head that, okay, maybe this, because I think one thing that I sometimes struggle with is because having gotten gone through so much of medicine, kind of the story in my mind is that if I were to kind of take a break from that, potentially, then I don't know, I'd, I'd be kind of throwing away all this effort or I'd be kind of stepping out into the void. But in terms of the things that fulfill me, I think that was a helpful exercise for me to realize that, okay, cool. If I could design my kind of ideal day, these are the things that would be in it. And so how can I work towards a future in which that's possible? What called you into medicine to begin with then? Because it seems, is that, yeah. do you have to revisit that or is that in question now? I think, uh, so the thing that called me into it was, honestly, I, d- I didn't really know what else to do. And when you're kind of my ethnicity and you get decent grades in school, like the default <laughs> path is you just do medicine. I was like, all right, I might as well do medicine. I I was torn between medicine and computer science because I'd been I'd been doing the whole coding thing and I'd been kind of doing stuff in PHP and I was like, oh, doing computer science would be cool. But when I was making this decision at the age of like 17, I kind of had the thought that uh, it would be much cooler to be a doctor who can code than to be just a coder. <laughs> and I also had the thought that six years at university is more interesting than three years at university because they say that university is the best time of your life. And so that was why I chose to do medicine. It wasn't really a calling as such. It was more like, okay, you know, best option. I'm not really sure what to do. Let's just go for it. And I'm super glad that I did the, I did the degree. And the job is quite fun, but I don't think it's what I want to do for the rest of my life, at least not full time. Hence the whole kind of YouTube channel and all this other kind of business stuff that I've been trying to do and learning from you and your podcast. So how are you going to move forward with that, man? That's that's a big thing. Because I... Yeah, so... Um, from August, I'm going to be unemployed, essentially, because uh, after two years of being a doctor in the UK, at that point, you then apply for a residency program in whatever specialty you want. And I wasn't really sure what specialty I want to go into. And as from speaking to loads and loads of consultants, i.e. senior doctors at work, most of them were saying that, look, th- there's no rush to get through the training pathway. The nice thing about a medical career is that you can always take a break and then you can come back and you don't really lose anything. And so the plan before the whole virus situation hit was that I wanted to spend a year just kind of traveling the world <laughs> and doing that thing because I've never really done solo travel. I've been listening to Rolf Potts's podcast, uh, Deviate, uh, and like all these interviews with people like traveling the world and, you know, traveling with, with just one backpack. And I was thinking that that would be a sort of a much more interesting story uh, and kind of going to uh, Donald Miller's A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. That was what yes. was going through my mind. I was like, okay you know, this kind of crossroads that I'm at, it's like, do I go down this traditional path of kind of being a standard doctor or do I do something more, more like adventurous? And the more interesting stories, definitely, I don't know, you know, putting on a backpack and trying to travel the world as, as cliche as that sounds. So one thing, are you a Redditor too, like me? You seem like you do Reddit. Uh, I, I dabble here and there. One of my favorite subreddits is it's called one bag. Oh, I haven't and seen that subreddit. Oh, amazing. Oh, it's phenomenal. So basically, you just go to Reddit slash r slash one bag, yeah. and it's just people's one bags and what they pack for this travel. So I think that uh, it's it's super inspiring, uh, and you see a lot of like, oh, what's like the, the shorts to wear? Like I like wearing like a Lululemon stuff because it kind of you can wear it for a lot of days without smelling. Yeah. Um, or I have these new Lululemon shorts; they're pretty good. 
Nice. <laughs> but I, I think that's interesting for you, man. Like that book, that, that book changed my life. And, and we both talked about how uh, we cried from it. It's one of my favorite books of all time is a thousand, is it a million miles in a thousand yeah, years? Yeah, I think it's a million miles in a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. By Donald Miller. And I think the two things that stuck with me is to live an interesting life. You just have to do interesting things. <laughs> and I know that I hate when people say stuff like that to me, but that's such a truism. It's, yeah. It's like, you just, and I, he's such a, and he's a Christian author, which I'm, I'm not a, a Christian, but I still love his messages. Uh, and I think they're positive. And I think the second part about living an interesting life is just to do interesting things. But the second part that's just as powerful is how do you just be around interesting people? Right. And, and some people might be geographically limited. Like maybe the people are, uh, in Ohio or are they in, you know, some other foreign country and the, the internet is a great way. Like I think almost 80% of my best friends I've met online. Which used to sound sad, but now it's just like the thing everyone does. <laughs> yeah, you start making friends on Twitter and then you hang out in real life and you're like, oh, we have so much in common. <laughs> oh, but like this, dude, yeah. like Andrew Warner. Andrew Warner is actually, he's, he's listening and he, he runs Mixergy. He is the reason AppSumo actually got started. And I met him because I was doing those conferences. And I think the beauty of just getting going and starting with something, starting with your writing, starting with your photography, starting with your video, uh, is the relationships you get to make. Uh, the people you get to meet. And for me, my blog, I haven't made that much money blogging, like directly blogging, maybe a few thousand over 20 years, but the relationships and the fulfillment of that is amazing. So one, one thing I'm curious, just to come back at before you mm. know, the book and, and you traveling the world, what are you going to tell your parents? Because I'm wondering, was it your parents that were like, you're going to do a doctor and you're going to go do this thing? No, not really, actually. So my mom is a doctor, but she never really tried to push me into it. She just kind of thought I would I'd be more likely to do maths because I was a bit of a nerd. Um, and so um, <laughs> nowadays, what she says is that I, I think she's quite a, like a traditionalist. She says that, look, you know, you can travel the world and all that, but finish your training first and then do all that stuff later on. Whereas my theory is more that, well, you know, I'm I'm single at the moment. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not tied down by kids or responsibilities as such. So, you know traveling the world for a year when i'm 25 26 is unlikely to be something i'll ever regret i'm not going to be on my deathbed thinking oh damn i wish i was a a fully qualified doctor for one year longer than i actually was and yeah well i think well, i've no, i have a friend and i won't name him it starts with a j but you kind of get trapped in work life right you get you get trapped and as you get older you start making some money and then you start having bills and then you're like well you know i want to do this thing but like you know, I got to pay the bills and I want to do this thing. And so I think especially earlier on, uh, like you're doing is really commendable. And it's one of those things that a lot of people say they want to do afterwards. And so like one phrase for myself and why I've been so more vocal on, you know, on my YouTube channel and, uh, with, you know, my content on my podcast and my email list is that I think it's really interesting. And the phrase that goes in my head is called no apologies. And so I think for you, it's the same thing with the, the doctor piece. Like, yeah, I'm a doctor, so I'm supposed to go to this thing, and I'm supposed to do this thing. And we kind of apologize to the world. Yeah. And and we kind of apologize to, oh, if I put out this video, I have to apologize. And so I think it's interesting for every single person like Tarun or Jake or Tyler or Naveen, if we didn't have to apologize for anything we did, obviously don't like kill people or, or rob or do anything stupid. But my question is, if you didn't have to apologize, and you could really just follow your heart, it's not what I thought we'd be talking about, but what, <laughs> Why not? what would you want to, what would you want to do? And like, so for me, one of my, my fantasy lists this year is I wanted to live in a van. Oh, okay. And I, yeah. And so yesterday I rented a van and I'm going to go live in a van for three weeks. Oh, and amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. And so I think well, th th there's two things there, which is number one, 
you got to have stuff to look forward to in life. That's just something my, me and my friend Adam Gilbert from mybodytutor.com, we talk about that a lot. Like, what are you looking forward to this week? This conversation was on my highlights for Sunday. Like, on Sunday, I was like, I'm looking forward to talking with Ali. So what are you looking forward to? And if you're not, just go make something to look forward to. Uh, and the second thing is, like, have these fantasy lists of things that you're like, man, I think this would be an amazing adventure. Because, like, you know, as especially you get older, it goes fast. Like, someone asked me yesterday how old I am. And I was like, I don't... It's, I think I feel, I feel in my thirties, but technically I think I'm 38 and it, it just keeps going. And so in this, in this period of time we have alive, it's, you know, what things are we really excited to go do. So I really, I commend you, man, cause it's, it's hard to go against the grain. It's hard to be like saying, Hey, I'm, I've, everyone else is going this way. And, and Ali, you, you're choosing to go left. Yeah. That's something I, I think, I think about a lot. Have you, have you come across the YouTube channel? Uh, yes. Theory. No, what is this? Oh, it's amazing. They, they, they would, like, it's a, it's a life-changing YouTube channel. Um, basically, it's these three guys that travel around the world, uh, and, and, and their whole mantra is seek discomfort. Like, they would do insane challenges, like, you know, travel to a country and w without any money at all and rely on the kindness of strangers to kind of get by. And they have these amazing adventures from kind of going up to random people on the street and kind of introducing themselves and just kind of having a Dude. good time. And they, you know, uh, I, think, I think last year they challenged Will Smith to do bun to, to, bungee, uh, to bungee jump off a helicopter and he accepted their challenge. And they, they had this, like, massive, like, thing going. And their whole spiel is about this thing of stepping outside your comfort zone and that being where growth happens and just super positive vibes. I think you'd really, really like it. I'm, I'm going to check it out. Well, two things, two things there is number one. Uh, I'm curious what the audience can do for themselves. Like what's one thing uncomfortable or discomfort or action you could do for yourself today. And I, I want the audience to kind of comment on some of those things. The second thing, and I'm curious for you, you know, in our lifetimes, I think it's really fascinating what we're most proud of and when we've grown the most. Again, Oops. what are we most proud of and when have we grown the most? And so I'm curious for the audience, what's one thing you're going to do? But for Ali, for yourself, like, what are you most proud of so far in your life and when have you grown the most? And, and I think there's a point to, to the, both of these. I'll, I'll go afterwards. Okay. So we'll, I think we're, we're getting some uh, answers in from the audience. So for me, I think the thing I'm most proud of is probably the YouTube channel because it was the thing that's been the most kind of difficult in in inverted commas, um, and just kind of the amount of grind that it takes over a very long period of time. And at the start, you're shouting into the void and no one's listening. But over time, kind of the, as the flywheel turns, it starts to gain momentum. And so seeing how, uh, I don't know, like proud is a, an interesting word that I don't often use because it sort of implies that it's, it sort of implies that I'm, I'm kind of taking credit for, for the thing that's happened, whereas I know it's mostly down to luck and privilege and circumstances. And I've just tried to not squander the good hand that I was, I was dealt. But I'd probably say the YouTube channel. And then when do you think you've grown the most? Hmm, that's a good question. Honestly, so there was one experience I had a few years ago where, um, so every year at the, uh, the, uh, the medical school at Cambridge, we, we put on a pantomime, uh, and kind of sell tickets and, and, and all this sort of stuff. And I was involved in the pantomime in, in my fourth year of med school. I was part of the singing troupe, but then in my fifth year, I got a random message from a guy saying that, Hey, Ali, uh, I'm going to be directing the pantomime this year. Would you like to direct the show with me? And I had no acting experience, no theater experience. Like I knew nothing about, about theater in, in the slightest. And I kind of thought that this is like a, an amazing opportunity to 
step massively outside of my comfort zone. And so I said yes to that. And this guy was amazing. Like he was someone, he was, he's been into theater for years and years and like knew what he was doing. And I very much had imposter syndrome. Like I had no idea what was going on. But through that, I think the main thing that I learned, honestly, is that I, I was so worried at every, every rehearsal. I was thinking to myself, you know, everyone's, everyone's looking at Will, the other guy, and, and, he, and he's amazing. And people are looking at me and thinking that I don't know what I'm talking about. And then I realized actually that everyone is just worried about themselves. They're, they're, they're worried about screwing up their own lines and how they're doing. They're not looking at me and thinking that guy's got no experience. They don't even know I have no experience. And so it was a big kind of gotcha moment for me that was like, oh, wow, all of this time I've been worrying about what other people are going to say about the fact that I don't know how to do this thing, but actually no one cares. And that was very liberating. And I think that was that experience kind of catalyzed me kind of spreading out into more kind of content on my YouTube channel. Because initially it started off as very much sticking to my lane, just talking about medical school. But then I was like, you know what? I can just branch out to the things that I enjoy. People generally are worried about themselves. If they learn something from it, then fantastic. And if not, then, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to care. And so (laughs) I think that was the experience that's probably made me grow the most. So just to highlight for what you said for for the audience is that the things we're proud of are generally, one, we wanted them. And I think that's actually the hard thing to figure out in our lives. And our, cha- our, our wants change, but figuring out what you want, right? And so you wanted freedom from this doctor job. That's what you, sounds like you really wanted. Mm. And the second part is that it's hard. Like I've gotten things, like I just got some investment. I just, teachable.com, they sold and I got some money and I was like, I don't really have to do anything. Um, which it's not, you're not proud of that. Like I'm proud of them, but we're proud of the things we actually had to work for which is kind of a little, it's a little counterintuitive or it's not as obvious potentially. Um, and so I think that's what's interesting about Prada and the growth part. What you said is you were uncomfortable and being, being uncomfortable. It's easy to watch this show. It's easy to read the comments. It's easy to read the book. It's hard to get on stage. It's hard to ask for the coffee challenge. I would love anyone if they're down to do the coffee challenge <laughs> to post it in the comments, what they do. And more importantly, not whether they get the discount or not, but what they learn about themselves. And so, you know, I think Dr. Jovic, one of your people was like, they're, they're doing a YouTube challenge. They're doing a hundred videos inspired by you. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I think I would challenge them to do that or go to sendfox.com. It's one of the sites we have. Start a weekly newsletter. And I challenge you to do that. Sendfox.com, do your newsletter for 365 days or even just once a week, 52 times. Uh, and I, I think people will learn a lot more about themselves doing things that using that discomfort as a compass to maybe some directions of growth. Yeah, absolutely. That's another piece of advice I always give to people that, you know, if you want to start start anything, just start an email newsletter. Like it's so easy to get started and you'll initially have like three people on it, which is you, your your friend and your mum. And then over time, you just it just just having that encourages you to encourages you to write so much more. Like like for me, I, I started a personal blog in 2016 and I was like, right, I'm going to do a blog post every week. And I wrote like three posts that whole year. But then in 2018, when I was like, you know what, I'm going to start an email newsletter every Sunday without fail for the last 108 weeks, I've been sending out a weekly newsletter. And it's been the the one thing that's probably the single best habit I've ever, I've ever started. Because when you start writing, then you start getting more ideas. When you start writing and publishing, you start getting feedback and you kind of build the audience in that kind of way. Totally. And actually, it was, it was through the newsletter that I connected with you. So <laughs> without that, yes. then, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, one thing uh, people are asking, what's the coffee challenge? So just again, uh, it's just you go to any place and you ask for 10% off your coffee or whatever you're buying next. And you just kind of learn, you practice your fear muscle. We actually, we started this course, monthly1k.com. And I thought, hey, here's how you start a business, blah, blah, blah. But everyone was afraid. And it's it's actually a fear in a lot of things in life. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I think we're still here. Do we come back? Yeah, I think we're back. Did I lose you? All right, awesome.
Oh, hello, hello. Can you hear me? I can. I thought Wonderful. we cut out for a second. But, you know, so I was saying the, the coffee challenge and, and even the monthly 1K, people are afraid. And I was like, what are you afraid of? And so I try to, I think you have to try to put yourself in things you're afraid of. So one of my other favorite silly ones is I like asking people for their newspapers at the airport. <laughs> it's just, it's stupid. It's stupid. But it's an ask and it's a, and I'm afraid and I'm uncomfortable. And then it pushes me once they say no, or some nice lady says yes, then life goes on. And I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I don't believe in happiness. Okay. I don't believe what, in what happiness. Do I don't believe in recessions. I don't believe in this stuff. I believe in fulfillment. I believe in control. I believe in taking in action takers. And so fulfillment is not easy. Happiness could be easy and it can be fleeting. Fulfilling is challenging. And so that's the part of life that we have to figure out what, well, what fulfills us. And for you, it's creating, it's creating content and exploring different things that you're interested in. Yeah. So, um, a question that I had. So after, after reading a million miles in a, in a thousand years, um, one thing that didn't that I, I, I couldn't quite reconcile is that he, he, he seems to be saying that, okay, so you want to you wanna get these things that you want and you want to kind of go after them and you want to uh, preferably go through some kind of conflict to get there. And there was a line where he says that um, he, you can tell a lot by, about a person based on what they want. Uh, if you don't want anything, then you're living a boring life. And if you want a Roomba vacuum cleaner, then you're, then you're living a stupid life. Um, but I, w- I was wondering how that how that ties in with the the other side of the equation, which is this whole thing of you know be satisfied with what you have, want what you have, you know, trying to get to this kind of enlightenment where we don't really have any wants, any kind of desires. And I couldn't really think of like how how do you kind of put those two together? I I wonder if you've got any thoughts on that. Nothing great. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing I think of as I was talking with a friend who uh, his name's Leo. And he has got a, he's starting a YouTube channel, Leo Wid, and he sold his company and he made, I think, $10 million. And then he went and lived in a monastery. Okay. For two years, he went to go live with the monks. Okay. <laughs> and then now he bought a Lamborghini. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, and maybe he has a Roomba. And so he said something to me, he's been coaching me and he said something to me that stuck with me. He's like, maybe materialism isn't bad if it makes life more fulfilling. And so I think I've been trained and conditioned that material and more is always like, it's kind of an evil thing. Mm. And so I think if people are wanting more, like for me with YouTube, I stopped worrying how many views I'm getting and I started enjoying it more. Yeah, same. <laughs> and so I think you, I think when I was just so connected to the ego of it, and I had to detach the ego and said, "Am I doing what I really want? Am I putting out what I believe?" And it's yes. And so I think we have to explore. It's I don't think it's a binary zero and one. Mm. I think it's a spectrum. So for me, instance, I'm really struggling with buying a house. I'm fortunate enough that I have the money, but I live in like a, a in a rundown house that's falling apart, and I'm struggling with appreciating myself and actually spending on that. Uh, and so what I'm doing is. I rented a nice house. You know, you could see, I, I was like, all right, no, you're going to spend a little money. And this is like a dream house for me. So they have like, it's got a pool. It's got a hot tub. It's got an ice machine. It's got an ice machine. And so <laughs> it's got an ice machine. Like a, a dedicated ice machine. Dude, it is. It's amazing. Yeah. And so I think the part there is that if you're not sure of what makes it, if it makes a difference or not, just go try it out. You don't have to commit to that. Um, I think the other part for me is I like earning things. So if you're saying, hey, I want like, I want to buy a new uh, DJI Mavic drone. And I was like, all right, if you work hard this week and you do these things, then you can have it. And so I think it's nice to have a little bit of uh, 
earned reward versus yeah. just if you can afford things. Like, you know, as a kid, we always wanted candy. I don't know about you. I was like, give me the candy, dad. And now we have all this money. Even if you have like a hundred dollars, you don't buy the candy. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it's like, you know, at the age of 11, I'd walk into a game store and think, oh my God, if I was rich, I'd buy every game. And now I can buy whatever game I want and I don't buy any. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the thing there that I, the way I think about it is like optimize the 80% in terms of satisfaction and fulfillment. So what I mean by that is that look at where, what activities like. So if you're a photographer, like I know you're into videos, like mm. it's obvious you have a good camera and you're into you're a computer nerd like me. It's obvious you have good computers. And so what I would encourage everyone is where are you spending your time? Right. Your bed. No, oh, God. Your yeah. Compu- <laughs> your computer. You're like, I'm into bicycling, my bicycling, mm. my chess, like I have a chess coach. So wherever you're spending the time, it's probably valuable there to invest. And then the things that that don't matter as much, like my clothes, I'm pretty happy just wearing the same outfits over and over. That's why I try to buy clothes that don't smell very badly. Uh, <laughs> just like think about where, where what's important to you and where you're allocating that time. And then I would just invest in those things. Nice. Yeah. The other thing that I think about when it comes to uh, kind of making purchasing decisions is firstly, where do I spend my time? But secondly, where do I want to spend my time? So, you know, at, at one point I was like really <laughs> sort of battling with myself, trying to convince myself not to get a Tesla, <laughs> that classic, that, oh, that classic problem. No. And then I was thinking that if I got a Tesla, all that would encourage me to do is spend more time driving, which is not what I want to be doing with my life. If I got a nicer couch, it would encourage me to spend just more time sitting on the sofa, which is not what I want to be doing. Whereas if I buy a fancy camera or like a drone or, you know, a, a better laptop, it encourages me to do those things, uh, to create, to, to do stuff, you know, buying a piano, buying a guitar. I bought a ukulele like two days ago because it encourages me to do the things that I want to be doing uh, rather than just kind of vegetating on the, on, the, on the sofa, which is why my sofa is very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> That's another way. I mean, I have a Miata. So I, I would I would disagree a little bit, not disagree. It's there's no right or wrong way to live. Mm. We're all you know we're all trying to figure out the right paths for ourselves. So I had a Miata, and then my friend Catherine was like, "Hey, do you want to drive my Tesla?" And I didn't realize my life could be so much better. Oh, really? <laughs> Just for me, and yeah. I don't even like driving. Yeah. Right. And the car drives itself, which is the best part. So you know you, you try this stuff out. A few people are asking for the newsletter to start. It's sendfox.com. I just saw a lot of people asking about oh, that. Oh yeah, we should One put thing, that in Ali, one thing I want to hook up, I want to do for your, your audience, which is fun. We're going to talk about the Donald Miller book. For a few of the comments uh, about action or things they're going to take from this conversation and do for themselves, I'll give out five of his book. So for five of the commenters worldwide, I'll ship it anywhere. Uh, for five of the commenters, I'll let your team pick them. Uh, maybe like seven days after this video comes out. I just think getting people excited. For me, I love people doing things. It's easy. You know, what we're talking about being discomfort is mm. it's easy to, to watch something. It's hard to do something. Absolutely. All right, let's just bash through some more questions. Um, so um, how do you find what, from, from Talal, he says, how do you find what you're good slash talented at, i.e. innate skills, unfair advantages that you have? Yeah, that's, it's tough. And I, I think, do you, like, what would you say yours is? Um, I think mine is that I enjoy all this kind of computer stuff. And therefore, any time I spend doing computer nerdy stuff is time, like, it doesn't feel like work. Um, another advantage that I have is I've got the the brand of being a doctor and having gone to Cambridge University, which is, has some kudos among students around the world. Um, so those are probably my two biggest things. <laughs> so I think there's a few pieces that you highlighted. And, and I mean, I think that's the right answer. So number one, just look at what you're doing in your free time. Right. And so what you're gravitating towards, if it's music, if it's art, if it's computers, there's probably something unique there about finding your skills in that. Number one, number two that I really like is ask your friend, 
So ask someone that you respect. Don't ask someone that's a bum. Ask someone that you're like, hey, I admire this person. Ask them like, hey, what do you think my unique talent is? And guess what? They'll probably tell you and you'll be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, and, and three, I, I think you also define, try a bunch of things out to find out what you don't like. Yeah, that sounds legit. And, if you, All right. and maybe, the last, maybe the last one, and I'll, I'll just give everyone a yeah. challenge. Here's another challenge to do. Just go text and help one person. So what I mean by that is that just text someone right now. Go on WhatsApp, go on Instagram, go on your text phone. I'll do it right now. And if you actually help one person, one, it makes you feel more confident. But think about what would I help someone with, right? And what you would help with is probably your unique skill that you have an advantage in. Nice. All right. We have a question from, uh, uh, let's see, uh, from Annie Rude Rajesh, who says, what's your best message to current high school students? What advice would you give to high school students? Ooh, high school students, man. What's up? Yes. <laughs> I don't know, man. High school was a weird time for me. I was like, I was with like my, like high, I was with my elementary school friends. Then I was with the jocks and then I was with the nerds. And I, I just remember I was very emo, man. I was very like, I smoked cigarettes and I, I like wore my Boy Scout uniform to school because I thought that was cool. Uh, and so <laughs> kind of, it was a weird time. I mean, I think like high school as well as college, uh, I think that for me, I would just try, think of life as a buffet and try a bunch of dishes out. So I think that's number one, right? So try eat Boy Scouts, try online businesses, try reading clubs. Like, and I, and I tried a lot of things out. And the second thing that I would say is that I was very lucky that I got born in San Jose, California. Represent the 408, yay area if anyone's out there. Uh, <laughs> but I was lucky that my classmates one of them sold their company for a billion to Cisco, uh, Meraki, that's the company. Uh, some of them now are VPs at the public companies. And that was the expectation. That was like the, and then me, like going to work at Intel was like, oh, he's going to work at Intel out of college. And then, you know, running a company that's like, we're an eight figure business at AppSumo.com, which is amazing. And, and we love our Sumolings and the customers. And that's the norm. And so the point I'm trying to really highlight for everyone out there is, if in your high school, think about who you're surrounding yourself with. Because if you're spending your time with like my, my jock friends, they're nice guys, there's nothing with them, but they're now, and this is not as a knock on these professions, but it was never my aspiration. It was, they're, they're electricians and they're plumbers. And that's great. I don't actually, my, everyone should do whatever job they love. That's part of one of the things that really matters to me. Like I want everyone to love their work. But I knew that I wanted to be in tech. I knew I wanted to be in, in like, a, you know, building big companies and, and being an entrepreneur. And so I tried and I surrounded myself ultimately with people that did that. Like my best friend, he's like a senior developer at Stripe.com. And my other friend was one of the early people at Lyft.com. And so these are guys that I went to high school with and I try to spend more time with them uh, and less with the people that were cooler. I, my friends are cool, but like just the ones that were cool only in high school. Nice. That's pretty good advice. Yeah, I think I would, I would, I would fully agree with that. Um, I think in, in, in school, in college and university, you've just got so much spare time on your hands. And I don't think we really appreciate this when we're going through it. But when you start working, especially if you're working like a normal, kind of a normal job, like nine to five, it ends up, it, it ends up never being nine to five. You end up at work until like seven, if not later every day. Uh, you end up having so much less time on your hands. And so when you're at school, I think really take advantage of all of that just ridiculous amount of free time you have. And occasionally I, I, I get messages from people being like, hey, when I get home, uh, I do my homework and then it's, it's time for bed. 
And that's just un- unfathomable because, you you know, if you get home from school at like, let's say five, you do your homework for, let's say, two hours. You've still got like, you know, between seven and 11 to just kind of do whatever you want. And high school is the time where, for example, I, I learned to code. I taught myself design. I sort of I took on lots of these different hobbies that now looking back, I'm so glad I went down these rabbit holes because mm. at the time it didn't seem like it would be particularly helpful or just like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'm making like, you know, $10 here and there making a website for someone. But now, like, those skills compound on themselves so much over time. And you feel really glad that you spent that time in high school. Well, having said that, I did, sp- I did spend about four hours a day playing World of Warcraft for three years. Uh, happiest time of my life. But, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> we can't well, be- now you can make a living doing that, though, which is kind of wild. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But one thing I want to highlight, though, I thought about this with Twitch. Because mm. my friends work at League of Legends and, and so forth. And we see people that are Twitch people that make a million dollars. That's only the top 10. And so I think the thing that's interesting there is that you can find, follow your passion. So I think people are asking, how do I find my passion? Try a lot of things out and find out the stuff that you're like excited to keep doing. And so with the Twitch stuff, if you're not able to make it in the top 10, there's still a lot of opportunity to start businesses or get jobs in gaming, right? Like you can start a marketplace for gamers or you can sell books for teaching people how to game, or you can do gaming parties. There's a lot of opportunities if you're not in that thing. But you know, for me, I think where I've done success in my career by my own self, I think success is a horrible word, by the way. Yeah, I, I think agree. Success, <laughs> I think it's, 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 a, it's a dirty word because success is what we tell everyone else. Yeah. Oh, Ali is successful. This person is successful. And I think we have to decide our own metric of success uh, in this life. I think that that's almost one of the most important things. And so for me, it's like when I've chased money and opportunity, I've been less fulfilled I've sustained it and I've made less money. When I just said, hey, I really love doing these things. I don't really care how much money it ends up making. I've made the most money. Yeah, that, funny how- that's kind of my theory for it as well. It's like it, the first question is, is this thing fun? And if it's fun, then I'll probably do it. If it's not fun but makes money, then I probably won't. I think early on, I was more open to doing things that weren't fun but but that made money. But now I've, I've realized actually – especially once you've got some level of success oh success um it's it, it just makes so much more sense to just do the stuff that that fills you with joy as corny and hippie as that sounds i think that's exactly it man cool we've got a oh a technical question from tovia woods who says what platform would you recommend for blogging or, or would you just or just making your own website so i think especially early when you're starting out i don't spend any money that, that's kind of one of my big premises don't spend money until you start making money so how much uh, you know what's crazy YouTube is free. It's free. So I, I think what I would recommend for someone starting out, like I personally, I, I host on HostGator with a blog. I use WordPress.org. What I would do if I was starting today to build my audience, I would probably, well, I would do three things. I would do YouTube, Instagram, and I would do sendfox.com for the newsletter. Here's the most important thing though. You have to do it at least once a week for a year. And you can't even think about stopping until after a year. Then you could start thinking about what you want to do with it. And I think what most people do, and I always joke about my mom. My mom does a watermelon diet. She eats watermelon for a month. (laughs) And of course, she can't eat watermelon for the rest of the year because that's just not healthy and you're going to end up dying. I mean, you're a doctor. You know that. And so uh, what you have to find is you have to find something that's enjoyable so you can sustain it. And so generally with, with content creation or building your brand or building your audience, I would say, you know, Instagram is interesting, especially if you're photos. I'm not a photo person. I'm not really even a video person. Uh, I'm more of like a words person or a conversational kind of raw person. I'm not a high production. Like your videos are high production. My, my YouTube stuff is like just more of me chatting. Um, and so I think find the medium that works better for your style 
Maybe it's audio. Maybe it's written. Maybe it's photos. Uh, and then commit to it weekly for one year. And then after a year, I promise anyone out there will have, as long as you stick for it for a year and you do it weekly, you will have some results. Yeah, no, I fully, I fully agree with that. Um, sometimes I get emails from people saying that, hey, can you critique my you know, email newsletter or my blog post or my YouTube channel? And they've put out like three videos. Uh, and I usually reply with some kind of nice, nice variant of, okay, uh, you know, ask me again in a year's time once you've made 50 videos and then it, and then and then my advice will start to make sense because when you've just made three you're still very much on the steep end of the learning curve you'll learn so much just by doing it and you'll learn far more by just churning out more and more videos than you will by me giving you specific targeted feedback about your existing ones so i think at the start it's just about showing up and and doing and doing up. the thing yeah well so two things with that one i one of the phrases i think about is don't call it in i think people are like well i'm gonna put up a youtube thing and just get rich Right. You can't call it in. You have to show up. But let me I'm curious for you, man. When mm. you started YouTube, like just like Tovia or I think people are like, well, look at Ali. He's got it's like, yeah, but he started now just like any of you can. He has, you know, any of you can go to YouTube and hit that upload button and start promoting it. But what was your plan when you started it? Did you say what was your mindset? My mindset, like I I've said this in my very first video. I said that <laughs> um, uh, I said that I'm just going to try this and see what happens. I know that my first 100 videos are going to be absolutely terrible. So the plan is to just make 100 videos and then start getting good at them. And I said that worst case scenario, this will be a good memory to look back on. And my grandma will enjoy watching the videos. Uh, I've got that from my very first vlog. And actually, so when I made the decision that, you know what, I'm going to start vlogging, I, I, I had all this stuff going through my head about, you know, what, what sort of gear do I need, blah, 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 blah. But through kind of all of the kind of books and podcasts and stuff I've listened to, I knew that that was the wrong way to go. So I literally took out my iPhone, flipped it over and lying on my bed, I spoke to the camera. And then that night I put it into Premiere, uploaded it that, that same evening. And that was vlog number one. And I think had I worried about making, making it good, I, I, would have, I would have never done it. But just putting something out there you know, builds the momentum, builds the flywheel, and then you get going. So one of my favorite quotes that I think about is momentum begets momentum, right? And it brings on stuff. So, so how did you keep going though? Were you getting results? Were you getting a lot of views right away? Was it like, oh my God, because you also said that you like, you had to detach from the view count. So I'm curious how yeah. you sustained it now over the years. <laughs> so at the start, I was very much focused on the view count. Uh, I, I'd be refreshing the YouTube studio or the, or the YouTube app at like sort of 18 times a day and be like, oh, I've now got 71 subscribers rather than 70. Oh, we got we got two subscribers today. Sick, this is a great day. <laughs> and I'd just be doing that multiple times a day. <laughs> and then after, I think, sort of after doing this for a few months and I started hitting, you know, 1,000, 2,000 subscribers, at that point, I realized that looking at, at the metrics just doesn't make any sense. And actually what I should be doing is focusing on on the process of just trying to churn out these two videos a week and just not worrying about the views at all. And this is something that I still struggle with today. Like, you know, I, I, I want to make videos talking about, you know, fiction books that I've read. But every, every video I've made about fiction books in the past is tanked compared to a video about productivity or, you know, <laughs> something like that. But, you know, I read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of fantasy. This is what I like. And so I want to, I want to have the freedom to make those videos without worrying about what the stats on YouTube Studio are going to say. There's, there's actually a theory. It's called the sex cash theory. Oh, I've never heard of it. No, what is that? So I, I don't know where I heard about it or, or who it came from, but it, it's like Leonardo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, right? So he did Titanic, made a bunch of cash, and then he does like some indie film like Basketball Diaries because it's sexy. And so I think there's something there as a creator where you have to do the videos that, that bring in the audience and bring in the traffic. And then you also have to do the experimental stuff, which could be something that happens in the long term, but also is just like a little sexier and a little bit more creative. 
I, I think one thing that you, you sparked in me, man, that, that I think is really powerful, especially for the audience. Like I think, you know, like Adam is asking some questions and Sophia is what would you work on for free? Because when you started this channel, how much were you getting paid? Oh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. And I think that's something that's really been fascinating for me as I've done, I've gotten more into the content creation is that I think what people don't realize, like they see all these views, they don't realize how much work really goes into it. They don't realize that like, yeah, to be an influencer is just as much work as almost any other job. So I think you have to figure out what would you work on for free? So whether you're getting paid a lot or a little, you're like, well, I'm still enjoying this and I'm going to still keep going. Yeah, I'm big on the whole, the the phrase of trying to trying to monetize your passions. And I know that some some people rail against this on Twitter. They're like, oh, no, you know, it's not that every passion has to be monetized. I'm not saying that you have to monetize every passion. I'm just saying that if you can monetize somehow the things that you're doing anyway, then life just becomes more interesting because then you can then you kind of get paid for doing the stuff that, that you enjoy doing. And I don't know if you feel this as well, but I often find that, for example, when I was learning the guitar, and I would be sitting by myself learning the guitar. Or actually, uh, when, I w- when I was towards the end of high school, I started learning close-up magic. So I'd be doing magic tricks and stuff. And every magician who starts off, you know, starts doing tricks in front of their mirror or in front of their webcam. But when I started performing in real life, so I used to volunteer at, at the local hospice and do magic tricks for them once a week. And then I had this paid gig at a restaurant and it was really, really, really scary and completely failed at it. But kind of just having that mindset of, okay, I'm now taking this out into the real world. I'm I'm showing it to people. I'm putting it out there. It completely changed the game because it, it's it's so easy to focus on kind of the moves and the shuffles and kind of the coin rolls and stuff that that no one cares about because you're doing it in front of your webcam. But as soon as you start putting it out publicly, it just a it makes it it makes it more fun because you you've got this other element to it. But b it really focuses down the things that you're weakest at and the things that you need to improve for it to actually make a difference in the world. And so. Why I say that is that when it comes to monetizing your passions, I think trying to make money off of kind of baking cakes. I mean, yeah, sure. If you want to bake a muffin, then that's absolutely fine. But if you want to bake a muffin and then try and sell those muffins, it just it, it just adds another dimension of fun to the whole process. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that especially high school, I don't remember the person's name, but in the audience, if you're trying to rise up and maybe you, you don't have the job you want, maybe you don't have like the career you want, maybe you're trying to figure out your passion. Look at the person that's probably doing the thing that you admire. Right. And I'll be very specific. Go work for them for free. And so how do you work for them for free? Let's just take Ali. Ali is telling you about close-up magic. Ali is telling you his YouTube channel is important. Ali is telling you uh, he's working on other businesses. I would email Ali or me or whoever's life you imagine is living the life that you want to kind of learn from and email them value. So what is value? Email is saying, hey, Ali, I know that this is important to you. Plus your channel has changed my life. Here's three things I think you should be doing that maybe will help you. I'm happy to do that for free if you'd like me to. If not, no hard feelings. P.S. Keep doing amazing work. And so that is what, like the people I've hired at our company, like Mitchell, who helps me with all of the okdork.com mm. stuff, he volunteered at my, I do a charity bike ride. He volunteered. He's like, hey, I know this, you're doing a ride. I want to just help out for free. And then from that, now he has a full-time work that he loves and he gets paid really well. And so I think it's interesting. And then you go work for those people. Maybe you're like, man, I hate these people or I hate this type of work, but at least it helps you understand what you don't like so you can get to the things you do like. But I'm fully about it with you, man. Like my mom hated her work. My mom was a nurse. My brother's a doctor. And my mom came home every day for 20 years saying like, I hate being a nurse. And I don't know. I think that, that, well, I do know that, that kind of planted a seed in me that planted a seed in me to say, I want to love my work and I want to have everyone around me love their work. Whatever it is, if it's a plumber, if it is a doctor, because there are people out there, uh, my, my, one of my best friend's wives is, is an OBGYN. She loves it. My brother's a doctor. 
he does. I think he likes the status. He likes <laughs> yeah. actually. He loves saying he's a doctor. Yeah. But if he had five million dollars in the bank, he would stop being a doctor. Mm. And I and I kind of you know that's a whole longer discussion. You know, I think maybe earlier on it, it should have explored it. But I think what you're kind of saying too is that it's not too late. Yeah, it's not too late. Like if you want to start exploring, but you have to plant the seeds now so that you can, you know, have those fruits and that vegetables in a few years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, I've I've been getting a few emails recently from people asking, you know, it's it's the summer holidays. I'm in I'm in high school and I'm going into college. What should I do to prepare for college? And I think the advice or, or, or you know, uh, I've, I'm going to med school next year. What can I do to prepare? And I think the advice they want to hear is, you know, get this book on anatomy, get a, you know, get a head start on your biochemistry stuff. But what I tell them is, no, 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 don't waste your time doing schoolwork because you'll be doing that forever. Instead, learn, learn a new hobby, learn a new skill, level up what you're doing, like the existing stuff that you're doing, because that is the stuff that will kind of synergize firstly with your, with your studies. It'll, it'll make it more interesting. Like for me, so many more doors have opened in medicine because of the fact that I can make a pretty looking website than because of the fact that I'm, I scored 1% higher than someone else in an anatomy exam. Like, you know, I've, I've been invited onto the committee of this like super big plastic surgery charity just because I could make their website look cool. And I was like, Hey, you know, you guys need a cool looking website. Here are some examples. I'll do it for free. You know? And they were like, sure, come on board. Dude, that's awesome. And, and I got access to this whole network of like amazing consultant plastic surgeons and doing cool stuff. And then sort of through off the back of that, that led to me helping develop an app for like remote, uh, sort of augmented reality, remote assistance for surgery in, you know, low, in like low resource areas. And all of this stuff came about because of my interest in web design, not because I spent my summer holidays get trying trying to get a head start on learning anatomy. And so that would be one thing that I would strongly advise anyone who's a student at the moment. Use your free time to learn the other stuff. Don't worry about using your free time to learn the student stuff because that, that happens by default in your day job. You know, I, I double majored in business and economics, and I literally don't think I've le- used one thing from that after I graduated. Mm. <laughs> All of my learning is experience. And so I think what you're saying is, is a great point is like, just start exploring different things, start helping different people, start either physically being around other people or online, like part of your community, be a part of Ali's community. There's a bunch of people here that want to be more productive, that are thinking about medicine, exploring life, and, and you'll be able to get ahead. Not get ahead, but you'll, I think you'll be able to find your answers faster. Mm. Great. All right, we got loads and loads of questions, but I wonder if we can just talk about productivity for a little bit because I know we're both fans of the topic. And I understand that you're keen on on this idea of uh, so the way that I I think about it is like trying trying to optimize every interaction that I have with a computer. So like <laughs> one thing that I think is 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 a big part of why I'm considered by some to be productive is because I've got a pretty fast typing speed and because I use keyboard shortcuts and things like Alfred and you know fully like. I want to minimize the time between thinking of something and the action happening on a computer. And when I see people clicking around, I'm like, Ugh, it's just it's three seconds every time you're clicking something. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I fully agree. One thing I just want to highlight. Have you read this book? Yes. Oh, I love that book. It's so good. <laughs> Dude, because I, I know you're into books too. Courage to be disliked. I just finished it this morning. But I think, I think it's, kind of a, it's kind of your path. And my path, I, I hope it's everyone else's path who's watching now and watching later, which is, you know, it's not about going out there and trying to get people to dislike you, which is what the title says. Uh, but I think it's just self-acceptance and then really finding the, the path that you want to take and then being okay with other people saying, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> in terms of the weird. I think the productivity thing is interesting because if you're very, you know, there, one of my favorite quotes around this is that there's a guy paddling his canoe really fast, but he's paddling it up the wrong stream. 
Mm. And so there's a really big difference between efficiency and effectiveness. And I believe that's from Gary Halbert. If you guys don't read the Gary Halbert letters, they're free. You don't have to pay for them. They're online. If you want to learn how to do copywriting or writing, Gary Halbert letters, phenomenal. And so I think with productivity, there's a really big difference where you can learn how to, you can learn all the fastest stuff and we can, I, I will go through that tactical stuff, but I think you have to figure out how do you work on the right things. And for me, the, the best way that I've done it, actually, this is a cool thing I've been really getting into lately is color coding my calendar. Oh, Okay. How so? So I'll show you. I'll post a screenshot. Oh, I don't want. I can't show my whole calendar. Um, but basically, what I do is that to be effective, you have to have a goal, and to accomplish your goal, you have to prioritize the activities towards that goal. This is like the duh stuff that you read in. A, I read. I literally just read in a blog post. It's like have a goal, do stuff towards your goal. It's like <laughs> duh. But here's the real thing. Look at your calendar today. Look at it yesterday. Look at the week, and I do it color coded. How much of the colors are aligned? towards your goal. So my color is, one of my goals is around content creation. And so I have all of my content creation activities purple. And so I can instantly look at my Google Calendar and see how much is purple. Then I have yellow, which is learning. And so I can see instantly in my week how many of my hours are learning hours. And so it's just a really interesting way of framing your productivity and saying, all right, well, if I'm spending time in that things, I'm most likely going to get more things done. Because I, I, what I'm always fascinated with is Jeff Bezos and Zuckerberg and Gates, they have the same amount of time as you and me. So what are they doing differently, right? So number one, they're prioritizing better in their week, they're hiring better, and then they're using tools better. So I just think a lot of people are asking about the tools. So kind of on that note, uh, have, you, have you got a process that you go through to kind of set goals? And I'm, I'm kind of asking selfishly because... Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I guess you're familiar with uh, the Jason Fried and DHH approach to kind of goals. Like the whole like the whole base camp spiel seems to be that we don't really like setting goals. Goals are arbitrary. Why would you bother taking this number that you've made up out, out of thin air? Why would you take that seriously? And instead, they seem to say that it's more about just focusing on, you know, just trying to make a good product and have fun while you're doing it and serve the community and stuff. And I find that I resonate with that quite a lot. And so when it comes to you know, I've got, I've got this business mentor who always encourages me to set numerical goals for my YouTube channel. And I always feel that, oh, what's, what's the point? You know, I, I, my goal is to hit a million subscribers by 2020. It's, it, it seems very arbitrary. Um, how, how do you think about goal setting? Because I'm, I'm really not sure on this front. Okay, so you're, where are you in the UK right now? I'm in Cambridge. You're in Cambridge. Mm. It just sounds so cool when you say it, man. <laughs> and if you were going to, if I was going to say, Ali, go to France. What, how would you figure that, how to get to France? Just like directionally. Oh, I'd go on Google Maps and, and figure it out. <laughs> okay. So I think what the 37 Signals guys are saying is, let's say you're in America and you want to get to Mexico. They're like, you know, just drive south. Right. <laughs> and eventually Mexico's down there. And if, if you don't hit it, just keep going south until you do. And so I, I've kind of observed three systems of setting goals. And I think each of them can work. So I think there's the, the object-oriented goal, which is, what is my objective, right? So I want a million subscribers. So for AppSumo, our company, we have a revenue goal. We want to get X millions of dollars in revenue this year. Very objective. And you'd have sometimes have to have a destination. Mexico, revenue goal. <laughs> so then I think there are process, I think there are progress goals. So a progress goal is, so another example is like my mailing list. So like sendfox.com slash Noah, my mailing list. I don't care if I get one use. So, and, and what's important about goals is they have to matter to you. 
So a progress goal is I don't care if I get one new active subscriber a month or a thousand. It doesn't change for me the value. So a progress goal to me is, is it progressing? And I get five, I'm happy. If it's negative, I'm not. And so that's a progress goal. And the last one is a system goal. So a system goal is I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. Mm. That's it. That's my system. There's not a progress, but I will be there three times a week. And so I think each of those goals work in different, uh, in different scenarios and different things. So it's, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say absolutely that 37 signals is wrong. I think in business, I, I think you have to kind of know how things are performing or progressing. So we generally do our whole system in there. We call it a GMO. But I think there's other goals where you don't want to have that. Because for me, like YouTube, if, if right now I'm at 50,000, and if I said I want 100,000, honestly, it would kill my motivation. It, and I don't care if I get 100,000 or if I get 51,000. I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. So it's more of like, I, all right, I want to put out three videos a week or two videos, whatever that is. And, you know, each one is a different tool at a different time. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that's the uh, systems goal is very much how I think about my YouTube channel. That, you know, the only thing we're aiming for is to get one video out a week or two or three, depending on the week. And if if we can make these videos a bit better over time, if if, if the numbers can be kind of trending in the right direction, then that's all that really matters. And I don't really have a sort of subscriber count goal because kind of as you said i think it would take a lot of the fun out of it because i feel like if i did set out to get a million subscribers by 2021 i'd i'd be doing things that prioritize kind of getting views and that might not necessarily be the same stuff as what i'm interested in so for example if that was a goal i wouldn't do any books about fiction uh, I, I wouldn't do any videos about fiction books because it doesn't tie in with that particular goal but i guess i do kind of have goals in in other domains like for example if I'm setting out to do like a new business venture or something, I kind of have this bar in my head that I want this thing to make at least $500 a month. And I kind of do what it takes for it to make at least $500 a month. And beyond that, if it makes, if it makes 1000 2000 at that point, I don't really care, provided it hits that 500 a month thing. And I think, I suppose that's to the extent to which I have that sort of goal. Yeah, I think that's great, man. I mean, I'll tell you, for me, when I launched my podcast three years ago, I, want, I set a goal before I really knew anything. And I think what's really important, and this is really, really important, so pay attention to this, not, not you. Well, you too and me. Every <laughs> advice I give is just advice for myself, by the way. All the advice is, is for me to remember. It's really easy to get what you want, but it's hard to know what you want. I'll, I'll say it again, and I'll say it the opposite way. It's really hard to know what you want, but it's really easy to get it when you know it. I believe every single person out there that's watching uh, – and listening, Nicola, Amir, Truth, Humanity, Ravine, Stannis, I believe, I believe in every single person here can do it. But I think we need to spend more time thinking about what we actually really want. Because then you're like, like one year for AppSumo, I wanted a million email subscribers. And, and I, I knew in my heart, I was like, I don't give a shit. And so I would spend more time exploring what do we really want, journaling, writing, thinking, talking. And the second thing, so in terms of that, is that like I told you my podcast, I wanted 100,000 downloads an episode. And by the end of the year, I got 30,000 downloads an episode. And so I quit. Really? Oh. I, I quit. <laughs> I gave up because I wasn't at 100,000. And about seven months later, I said, well, I really enjoyed the podcast, but because I put that pressure on the goal, it kind of, it killed the motivation for it. And so it's not to say not to have that. So I started up again. Uh, about seven to nine months later, my downloads now are at 10,000 an episode. I would beg for 30,000. And I changed my goal to say, just put out one episode that you love a week. 
And now I don't look at my stats. And I love doing the show. I love like that. It gave me the opportunity to hang out with like Owen and with you and talk to the audience and share this stuff that I know fulfills me. And so I think goal setting could be dangerous because guess what? 30,000 is actually a top show. But now at 10,000, I'm just as satisfied. But if I would have just stayed consistent and, and it kind of adjusted my expectations, maybe it would be at 50,000 now or it would have been at 100,000. I, I think what we imagine, we don't realize how long this is going to go on for. Like, we didn't think, like, the shows are going to be going or the work. Like, AppSumo and Sumo Group, our company, I did not think I'd be doing this 10 years later. I thought I would make $3,000 a month and live on the beaches of Thailand. Nice. <laughs> the old Tim Ferriss style, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he actually came to live with me. Uh, and I, I went, ended up going to Argentina. And he came and stayed at our house for a little bit. Oh, we've been buds for a long time. That's cool. So I think the point is find the things that you could do for 10 years. Because as I said earlier, the 10-year rule is true. Yeah, I remember, um, uh, are you familiar with uh, um, Marquez Brownlee, the tech YouTuber, MKBHD? Yeah, a little bit. What, what about him? Yeah, so he, he was, he, he was on, the, on, on the Y Combinator podcast for some reason, uh, and they were interviewing him, and, 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 and he was basically talking about the 10-year rule. Like, the, the, they asked him, like, what's the secret to your success? And he was like, he was like in, in fairness, I don't know, man, just pick something and work on it for 10 years, and then it's probably going to be successful. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's such good advice. <laughs> just pick something anything and just work on it for 10 years like as as people like gary vaynerchuk would say it's all about patience in the in the long term it really is i mean we could talk about some of the productivity things because I, I think what's interesting I, this is like the advice that the people need is to get started the advice they need is working on fear hmm. but what they like knowing is hey what microphone does he use for his channel oh god yeah <laughs> but the real advice is hey Pick some content and do it for the next year, even every week. That's actually what matters more. And, and as you said, just use your phone. I mean, I, I don't, I'd be curious, like your your favorite productivity things. I think my favorite productivity stuff that uh, I, whenever I I tell it or I see it, it's so obvious to me. Number one is your trackpad. That's always my first thing. I always tell everyone is if your trackpad is not at full speed or your mouse is not at full speed, you're doing half work. So I think that's one that I've actually well, done a little known for. Speed is in sensitivity. Oh yeah. So oh, what is pre- are you? I'm 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 at like a very low level of sensitivity. Oh my god. So no, I'm. No, oh no, my goodness. Sorry. You're right. I'm spending an extra yeah, one second every time I move the mouse. <laughs> Times. Here's the thing. I, and, and just to be clear, uh, this is what I said earlier about where to invest. You also should optimize the eighty percent of your productivity. So, do you have the fastest computer? Is your trackpad uh, at tracking speed fast? Is yours at tracking speed fast? I don't, I don't think it is. I'm gonna change it right now. So go to system preferences. Click on trackpad and make it the fullest, fastest speed possible. Number two, if your typing speed is not at least 80 words per minute, I'll give you guys three sites that you should use. They're all free to get your typing speed up. Number one, keybr.com. Number two, ratatype.com. Number three, 10fastfingers.net. Just go practice 20 minutes a day and get to 80 words per minute. Those two things, because think about it. If you're working on a computer and everything flows from the computer, if you're typing slow, if your trackpad is slow, if your computer is slow, everything else is going to be slow. Mm. So it doesn't matter what you're doing after that. So those are the, the kind of the same ones. And I think the last one that you kind of hinted on that, that I'll say that I've gotten really excited about is the Gmail shortcuts. So if you're using email, which every single person does, which, you know, people are more on Instagram or maybe this other stuff. But if you're sending any emails, learn the Gmail shortcuts. You can hit shift question mark and it'll just show you all of them when you get into Gmail. And make sure you have them turned on in settings. But have your keyboard shortcuts on. Learn them, and you'll save hours of life—literally hours, if not days, of your life. Yeah, I've 
I recently started just started using the app uh, Things Things Three as like a to do uh, as like a to do list management, and every time I have to do something. I'm tempted to use the mouse, but I think, no, I'm going to find the shortcut. And then I would Google the keyboard shortcuts and just try and yeah. commit them to memory. Because it takes a bit of investment up front to learn the shortcuts for everything. But then, yeah, you're saving days of your life <laughs> over the long term. I, I think the key thing here is, you know, as you once you get to 30, in my opinion, you don't change your productivity system. It's really hard to like, if you're like, a, I'm a note card person. So hmm. you can see like every day I do my note card. I'm a note card person. And that's probably what I'm going to do for a long time. So I think figure out the system that works for you is really important. But I think people get too think people get too sidetracked with like, which to do app are you using? I'm like, I used to remember the milk. It honestly, I just put in to do's. I don't tag them. I don't categorize them. I just put them in there. And that, that works for me. And I have, you know, a bunch of other systems, but that's the one that works for just my basic to do's. And so I think what people need to spend more time on is just like the higher level 80% typing trackpad computer and also bed. That's one thing I, I just got to put it out there. If you have not optimized your bedroom, that is the number one thing to go do immediately. And I, I literally, I just documented it for myself. I can walk you through. My bedroom is pretty crazy. I didn't realize it. But if you think about it, your whole day is based on you getting up. And we spend all this time on everything else. But the thing that actually can set us up for a great rest of the day, we kind of like, oh, yeah, just have a cheap thing that, that's okay. And if you don't have money, that's fine. But at least do whatever you can to improve it. So if you want me, I can share some of my bed tips. Yes, by all means. Uh, I've recently started getting into this. So I've got some blackout curtains. I've got the uh, the Aura smart ring one that I sleep with to track my uh, <laughs> yeah, mine's over my deep the, sleep, the REM sleep, and all that. I've got some uh, yes. blue light blocking glasses on the way. <laughs> so I'll in- I'll introduce you to Harpreet, the guy from Aura Ring, as well, if you'd like. But you should he uh, I I think I have a fifty dollar off code, but I'll, you can put a link and I'll, I'll get you to set up your own code. Um, I'll write that down. But Aura Ring is amazing. So yeah, in terms of my system. Uh, well, not system, but for my bed, I use an Uller bed jet. Oh, I've, I've heard about I've, I've heard about those. Uh, what's it like? Oh, so at first I thought it was stupid. It's basically a bed heater slash air conditioner, and it's it's for your mattress pad. And at first I was like, why do I need a heater slash cooler? And then I started using it, and it's just like it actually. And I looked at Oring, like my sleep scores improved, and so it helps regulate your temperature better throughout the night. So that's an Uller bed jet. Um, be very selective for the mattress. I actually have the cheapest mattress possible on Amazon. Uh, it's called a memoir sleep signature. It's 375. So basically, it's what Casper and all these guys use, but it doesn't have a brand name. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I use that 375 for that. I use JC Penny bed sheets. That's what Wirecutter recommended. It's the best bed oh, sheets. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, I use a TNN toughen needle pillow because uh, I'm a side sleeper and I find that really comfortable. I what are the other, few other things? I think if you're if you have no money and you're like, man, I don't have money. These bed stuff sounds expensive. I don't have money for an aura ring. I don't have money for this. All you have to do is buy a mattress topper. A mattress topper is $50 max, or as they say in UK, 50 quid. <laughs> and it is literally the most affordable way to update, upgrade your sleeping or when you're traveling uh, without having to spend a lot of money. What, what other stuff have you started experimenting with around that? So uh, after, I, uh, after I read Why We Sleep, I was like, okay, cool. This is going to change my life. And so now what I do is uh, I, I haven't got any air conditioning in my room, but I bought a fan and I leave the window open. And hopefully that cools it to 19 degrees or something overnight. Because I find that kind of like, obviously, sleeping in a colder bedroom, as the evidence says, is just, you know, better for everything. Uh, after, after reading that, I also stopped taking my phone into bed with me and I have it across the room on the dresser. <laughs> so the only thing you- I have on my bedside table is my Kindle. And therefore, the only thing I can do when I go to bed is, is read on my Kindle, which is fine because I have it set to the lowest brightness and then I just end up sleeping. And then when I'm up in the morning, I can't I can't just lie in bed on my phone. I have to physically get up and get my phone. And just that level of friction 
stops me from getting back into bed and on my phone sometimes. Sometimes I still do it. I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm just going <laughs> to take my phone into bed. But just those two like little things have helped me like, have have a nicer morning. I've, I, I, I've also now started taking, uh, filling up a, a bottle of water each night, putting it on a bedside table. So the first thing I wake up, yes. I can throw open the curtains and just chug as much water as I can because I read some stuff online about how that's good. And that also helps me to wake up. So two, two, one, one, two thoughts. Why not keep the, the phone out of the room? Uh, the alarm on it, I guess. <laughs> but I could just, yeah, I could, I could put it completely outside the room. I've actually found that helpful. And I think the other thing for me that I've noticed is that I, I removed all my followers, following followers on Instagram. Uh, and I really make an effort. I'm not perfect. I'm human. I really make an effort to say, all right, I have to read and I have to do my pushups and I have to drink my water. And I take collagen pills because I'm older and I'm white. So our skin doesn't age as well as you. Uh, and a lot of other people. So every morning I aim to read for 30 minutes. So I read that book, The Courage to Be Disliked. I do my push-ups, and then I can look at the phone. And I, I think there's something there because it kind of like in the morning, I, even today, I felt like, man, you've you're accomplished. Because it's easy. And, I, you know, you get on Instagram or one of these things, and it's like 15, 20 minutes later, and I don't know what I've done. So I unfollowed everyone. So even if I do get on, there's nothing to see. Like I don't have email on my phone. I don't have a lot of the the distractions that can uh, take me away from the things I want to be focused on. Oh, so uh, on the note of the Instagram, <laughs> I've not really said this publicly, but like a, a couple of weeks ago, I made the decision. I was like, right, I'm spending way too much time on Instagram. So instead of unfollowing everyone, I just un unfollowed all of the pretty girls that I was following. <laughs> I think that's a great... And now on my feed, rather than getting these kind of like, you know, girls in bikinis on the beach and stuff, I now have either kind of photos of desk setups or photos of like amazing yeah. photography landscapes because I follow loads of photographers or like photos of like these like ripped dudes in their workout gear, um, which encourages me to kind of actually do some, do some, do some pull-ups. <laughs> whereas whereas so, before I'd be landing on, you know, some, some Instagram model and, and just kind of sighing. Oh. It gets crazy. Well, you know, what's funny though, dude. So I, I did, I had the same problem and go to the explore tab. It's all models. They know. They're like, we yeah. know what you want. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want it. But I, I think the thing that you said that is really, I, I think about this with friendships, and I know this is going to sound a little harsh, but the same thing with Instagram and, and honestly with all of our activities is, is this adding or subtracting? Hmm. Friends, Instagram, YouTube, like your channel, it adds. Hey, I'm going to learn about productivity. I'm going to learn how to improve my computer system. I'm going to learn how to take better notes. I'm going to learn how to be potentially go to medical school if that's what people want. And I think people aren't intentional they're accidental and they're, they give away their time too freely, but they need to be a little bit more intentional. Like, Hey, is this Instagram serving me? Cause Instagram and YouTube and all these places, they are optimized to waste our time. They're literally incentivized and their algorithms are because they make money that way. So they want us to waste as much time as possible. So they will do whatever that is. And so we have to be, we have to defend ourselves and be aggressive and saying, no, <laughs> I want to follow my friends. I want to follow inspiration, things that are adding. And I'm going to remove anything that takes away from that. Yeah. Like one of my favorite apps, like I, people don't use Facebook as much, but one of my, my number one favorite Chrome extensions, do you use the newsfeed eradicator? Oh yeah. I've got a few friends who you do. I, do, I don't log into Facebook enough <laughs> to, to need it. Uh, oh yeah. I, I don't have Facebook on my phone, but on the, the Chrome newsfeed eradicator extension, phenomenal. Go into Facebook, check my messages, check my groups. I'm outies. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, on the note of, of, of things that add, one thing I realized is that often if I'm, if I'm on the computer and I, I kind of want to take a break, the default thing is I would go on the couch. I would open, I would, I would open up my phone and I would start sc scrolling through Instagram. Um, so instead, what I've done is that I always have my guitar right next to the couch, which means if I'm taking a break, the easiest thing for me to do rather than pick up my phone is to pick up the guitar and like 
practicing skills and stuff. And it's just like really fun. <laughs> and it, it, it also works towards my goals because one of my goals is to get better at, at guitar and to kind of perform out on the streets and, and things like that rather than sit on my phone and scroll through Instagram. So I think part of it is kind of the environment design, you know, removing all the friction from the things that you want to do and adding frictions to the things that don't that, that you don't want to do, like having Instagram uninstalled from your phone or, you know, on like buried within a folder somewhere or whatever. I have it on the third page. Nice. So <laughs> when are you going to perform on the street? Uh, I've done it a few times, actually. Uh, so in, in Cambridge, it's very nice because it's, it's, a, it's a historic town. You don't need a license to busk on the streets. So when I was, when I was in med school, I think two or three times, me and my friends, we got together with a microphone and the guitar and the amp, and we raised money for the local homeless shelter. Um, but I haven't done it for a few years, ever since I started working and my time became more limited, <laughs> which is just an excuse. Uh, so I want to do that. And one of the things on my bucket list is to uh, busk on the London Underground. But that's kind of quite hard because you actually need a license for that. You have to audition and you have to get a license in order to perform on the London Underground because they have standards. So I want to get good at guitar that's and at true. singing. And then I want to perform on the London Underground and maybe make a video about it because I think that would be cool. I think you should. Do, when? Uh, when? Um, I'm, saying, I'm saying to myself from, from August when I'll be unemployed, I'll have all the time in the world to explore these things and you know, randomly go to, go to London for a weekend. And hopefully the, uh, the lockdown will have, <laughs> will have died down by then. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. I forget sometimes the lockdown's happening, but I think this is such a blessing. It's unfortunate for the deaths, but I think this limitation is inspiring a lot of people to try, you know, cooking. Like I've been playing piano and just learn. I suck at it, man. I was just playing four non blondes last night. It was it was a rough night, but it was just like it's it. I think it's a great opportunity that people now. There's no FOMO. Not everyone's out. There's nothing to miss out on. And so go explore your business, explore your art, explore your creativity. Uh, so I love that part of it. Yeah. Okay. What, what else is on your bucket list, man? Oh, oh, let me bring it up. <laughs> uh, I want to make a magic show and perform it at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. That's on my bucket list. What else do I have? Uh, I want to learn archery and I want to become a Gymshark athlete. That's been, that's been high on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I've got this kind of list of places that I want to go to. I, I, I quite like the idea of, of doing a thing where, whereby I would just like post on Instagram and be like, hey, I want to visit someone somewhere in the world who wants to host me for a week? You know, can I come with, can I come live with you and your family and see who replies and then just go to that, just like hang out with someone for a week and turn it into a video. I think it would be fun as like a, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm curious. Everyone in the comments, where would you, ho if, you if you're open to hosting Ali, where are you in the world for him to, to come get hosted? I'm curious. I want people to go crazy. And be like, yeah, come to my country, <laughs> come to my city. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another thing on, on the bucket list. So do you, when you do your bucket list, so one thing you're asking about my goals, I generally like doing goals in one year segments. And mm. I think each year should be the bucket list. Oh, okay. So my bucket list is per year. And some of the things that are not on the bucket list, I have just a, I have a Evernote folder called 2021 already. Yeah. That's just everything I'm thinking about for next year. And so I just like saying, Hey, what are the crazy things I'm going to do this year? So what's on your bucket list for this year? What is on my bucket list? Uh, I want to go to Oktoberfest. I've never been to Oktoberfest. Uh, I do, basically, I have five categories, work, workout, living, personal, and travel. Uh, so I want to do van life. I told you that. Yeah. I want to do 100,000 push-ups. Okay. <laughs> how, how many is that a day? 100,000. Uh, it's about, about 270, about. I think. Yeah, about 270 a day. Yeah, yeah it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> At first, I wasn't going to get it, but this quarantine has kept me inside, so I'm doing a lot of push-ups. Well, like, uh, so the, the 270, presumably not all in one go, presumably like throughout the day, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So I'll do 30 right when I wake up. Yeah, exactly. So the thing I I would say with this is that one thing that I would highlight and highly recommend. And so you had your goals really accessible. Yeah. Like you typed a few things and you started goals. So for me, I look at my goals on my phone every day. I read a daily mantra. It's a little cheesy, but it works for me. So I call it daily. I have it pinned. Yeah. And I read my I read my mantra and then I read my goals. I don't want to show my some of these goals, but. Every day I just read my goals. And so I think the point here is with your bucket list or goals, you should have them everywhere on your mirror. I remember when I got fired by Facebook and I ended up, I think I went and lived at my mom's house for a little bit after that. I put on my mirror. I was like, in 10 years, I want to be a millionaire. In 10 years, I want to have a house. In 10 years, I want to have a car. So you got to see your, you got to have goals you want and then see them. But some of the, you know, and, and see them as many places as possible. Uh, I want to make coconut wine. I don't know if you ever had it. It's super weird. Okay. <laughs> Coconut wine. I, I loved it. Uh, I mean, just different different categories. And then I think the other thing at work, I want. I like attending conferences. I always find a lot of inspiration. Hmm. So anyways, I just, I, I, the last thing I do for my bucket list, I always pick a word of the year. A word of the year. Okay. What's your word yeah. for this year? The word of this year, and it's come true, is congruency. Okay. What do you, what do you mean? I want, you know, I think what, what I've noticed for myself and I've noticed for others is that like in my professional life, I'm very organized and I'm very disciplined. I'm very goal oriented in my relationships. Eh, we'll see what happens or in my travel, eh, you know, and so I want to feel aligned with all the things I'm doing. Okay. Not that they all have to be related, but like the way I'm behaving when relationships behaving in my work, behaving to myself is congruent and it's kind of made me make some harder decisions uh, in my relationship, it's made me identify and be comfortable with not apologizing, being myself in my work without fear and with, with some fear and still going and having courage to do some of these things yeah. as well as for myself. Nice. Yeah. There's a, there's a concept that my brother and I talk about on our, on, on our podcast sometimes, uh, which is that, uh, for, for us, we, we've, we've noticed that m- most of the gains in our personal lives have come more from treating it like a business. And a lot of the gains in our businesses have come from treating it like our personal lives, like having that more of a personal connection and kind of treat, treating your personal life like a business. Like that kind of concept makes me think hard about the stuff that I'm doing with my time and the things I'm giving my time to that, you know, if, if I were a business allocating my time as a resource, would I really be spending it on, you know, <laughs> browsing these uh, Instagram models for, for, for an hour each day? Probably not. It's a, it's a, it's a waste of company resources. And so kind of just thinking about it in those terms has actually helped me do more. and and also things like s- systematizing relationships to the extent that uh, I, I I guess everyone keeps a like a, a calendar of their friends' birthdays, but I'd never really done this, and so I, I asked like loads of friends, you know, for their birthdays. I put it in things as a recurring reminder that reminds awesome. me five days before the birthday, and I see it pop up on my to do list. I'm like, oh okay, I need to buy this person a birthday present, and then I'd kind of get the group together and be like, okay, let's like all chip in, let's get him this like expensive thing. And just just that slight system systemization of of the thing has led to a lot of gains, and so I'm I'm trying to figure out other ways in which I can kind of businessify my personal life to make it more totally more, more fulfilling. I, I just got to highlight in the comments, man. You have so many places in the world that you can go visit. Oh, I haven't seen comments. There was like <laughs> Jessica Castro from San Diego. There's a guy Hollenbeck, I think, from Wisconsin. I love the Packers, dude. Go pack, go. Uh, so many cool people all over the world. Colombia, Munich, Germany. Uh, Yancey's in Auckland. 
Dude, that's man. I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe you should take your cha- up on your challenge. Yeah, man. From 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 August, I'll I'll post an Instagram slash YouTube, and so, so, someone can 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 host me for a week. <laughs> By the way, if you guys, one thing I, I'm curious for everyone out there, hit the like button if you like Ali. This dude, you're amazing. And I'm curious for for everyone out there, just like what is one thing that you've learned from Ali that's improved your life? Because uh, I think sometimes when you're creating the content and you put it out there, and for me, it, only recently have I finally started not being so afraid of myself. Or not being so uh, scared that I'm not smart, okay. or scared that my my information is not helpful. So sometimes it's actually really nice to to hear uh, how much you've impacted some of these people. By the way, there's people still all over the world. Oh, Manuel Kester's got the Golden State Warriors. But I'm curious for everyone, hit the like button for Ali, and then something you've learned from him uh, by by watching and subscribing to his channel. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. That's a very uh, positive vibe thing to say. <laughs> yeah, what is this with this yeah. stuff? And it's awesome. Oh, someone Justin Babcock's in Austin. That's right. I'm in Austin, Texas. Uh, Peru, There's a lot of Peru London, Saudi Arabia, Denmark, Brazil, Ireland, Austin. Yeah. Oh, Grace Wing. Ali taught me how to study. You learned about Mr. Money Mustache from Ali. Manav Babur said and changed my outlook on life. Diana Nguyen said Notion. Learned about Notion. Dude, you guys are using Notion, by the way. The way that you guys have set up this video thing with Notion, I'm going to probably copy. That's super impressive. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> really cool. Like, whoever's, who's on your team that's helping you live blog? Oh, so let's give them some props. Yeah, we've got Angus and Liz. Everyone say say kudos to Angus and Liz for, for being on the call and maintaining this live blog as we go along. <laughs> Dude, they have crushed it. I'm going to give some claps. I'm going to do the taco emoji for them. That's my favorite emoji. By the way, do you know that on Mac, the keyboard shortcut for emojis? I just learned this. Oh, the command control spacebar. I just learned that. Oh, it's amazing. There's another. <laughs> it's such a good, it's a good one because I use Rocket. There's a thing called Rocket app, which I, I love just as much. Okay. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. But yeah, I, I learned the control command spacebar. You can do emojis. Yeah, I found that when I was using Notion a lot because you can just, you can type in control command spacebar and then you can type in what you're looking for, like, I don't know, watermelon. And it would give you the emoji for that because I can I I can never be bothered like it's 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 too much effort to scroll through the emojis I want to I want to find a way of typing them. Dude, people are learning. Man, this is honestly so impressive. It's it feel good because I think sometimes it's like you're the views are it's who cares about the views. It's like Owen are saying thank you to Ingus and Liz. Uh, Notion, man, people, you're like the the Notion um, evangelist. Yeah, I seem to be the uh, the iPad Pro and the Notion evangelist. Uh, dude, and I've stuff about st- stuff about study techniques dude hell yeah you know i think what what you did to commend you is that you put yourself out there and that that's scary right because that that makes us vulnerable right and i think i've i've been hesitant on putting myself out there even though i i'm out but not out because you know i wonder if i'm enough really? and it, it's scary to to be vulnerable there and and have people say like oh i don't like your thing or no one watches your thing oh. and you that's know, quite surprising good. because it's it, it it seems like you've been putting yourself out for quite a while like you know the podcast has been going three years you've got the blog that's super popular you kind of write on the internet about your businesses and stuff like yeah what, why do you still feel like you're not putting yourself out there enough or like what's your thought process behind it well i think for the past especially three years i haven't really put it out like i think i put out with like an asterisk like you know uh advice may vary or user you know user yeah. experience may vary and I think because I don't, you know, I'm scared that my stuff might not actually be good. Mm. And then I, I, you know, I had some therapy and I started putting it out there and I said, hey, I'm not going to apologize anymore. Let me just start doing the things I really believe because I do think it's helpful. And I'll do help people one by one if that's what, at the end of the day. And so it's just changed my perspective. And, and what's interesting is that when I started saying, hey, it's enough and stop apologizing, I finally started appreciating the audience. Because this is a true story. 
I would, I'd, I'd see people who follow my YouTube channel or read my blog or read my newsletter. And I'd be like, if they followed my advice, they're stupid. Oh, interesting. Okay? Yeah. Okay. I know that sounds fucking, it sounds really messed up. And I thought it's like, well, maybe cause I think I'm stupid and my advice isn't good. And I started thinking like, why, why am I so worried about that? And only recently when I said, Hey, this is what works for me. I believe it's very helpful. I'm going to put it out there, not apologize for it. Have I actually now the audience, like I'm open to the audience. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I kind of have that as well. Like, even though I've been kind of giving advice on the internet for the last three years, the, the way that I, I, I present it in the videos is very much that, oh, you know, this is the, these are just some things that worked for me. They might work for you as well. And I'm, I'm always really pleasantly surprised slash shocked whenever anyone who's older than me says that they get, they, they learn something from me because in my head, I'm very much thinking that, okay, like, you know, why is anyone over the age of 25 going to bother listening to my advice about productivity? Like, what the hell do I know? I'm just making it up as I go along for someone who's like 17 and applying to med school. You know, they would see me, I, 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 I can see why the appeal would be there, but I was, you know, a few, a few months ago, I, I had coffee with this like 41 year old banker from Sweden and his 39 year old IT executive girlfriend who were talking about how they like my tech videos. And I was like, wow, that's just like, who, who knew that this could happen on, on the internet? And even now I still, I still feel a little bit hesitant about kind of like unapologetically saying stuff. I feel like I, I always have to cloak it with lots of kind of clearing my throat and lots of guys, you know, don't hate me for saying this, but uh, yeah. Uh, so that's something I'm trying to get better at as well. Yeah, there's a, a great book that I, I've really liked. It's the Dalai Lama's Art of Happiness. Oh, I haven't read that. It's a really great book. And, and two of the things that, that I've taken away from that book um, is be intentional with your words. So a lot of people, when they say things, they're like, oh, yeah, my work, my, yo, that shit. Oh, yeah, that shit or uh, whatever, that stuff. And I think even if you label other people or you label your work, that stuff, it kind of is partially true. So I try to be intentional about that. The other thing I, I've gotten better at is that I, do, I try to remove the word I think. And Ooh. I remember the word try. And so I think, and I think what I'm trying to explain to people is that be definitive in your thought. So not, I think this, this is what I think I'm trying to do this. No, this is what I'm doing. And I think being more mindful of the, the word usage is actually more powerful than, than it seems. Damn. All right. We will add that book to our, our list of books oh. mentioned. Thank you, Angus and Liz. It's already on there. And I'm sure they're putting an Amazon affiliate link in there so we can <laughs> squeeze yeah. some revenue out of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Out of this YouTube cents. life. Yeah. <laughs> Although Amazon have recently absolutely slashed their affiliate <laughs> affiliate earnings. That's a, I mean, that's a whole nother discussion about like, how do you reduce dependency in business? And mm. it's what we talked about earlier on. How do you get more freedom and control of your career? And if you're a doctor, I think what you did is a great thing that everyone can copy, right? Like start a newsletter or start a podcast or start an e-commerce store or start a digital store. Uh, there's no rules. There's, like that's what's cool about the internet. There's no laws yet. Yeah. Like it can't, it can't, no one's stopped on YouTube and it's free to host videos. Yeah. And I think like, especially those of us who are sort of in, in quite like traditional fields, it, it, it feels like for, for a lot of things we need permission. And that's one of the biggest things that I've learned that actually no one's like, we don't need permission. Like, you know, if you want to do the thing, then just do the thing. And I, I struggle with this even even today. Like like for example, this whole thing about you know, do I want to travel the travel the world or slash do I want to apply for a residency program? I know the right answer is travel the world, but in a way, by talking to people like you and and, and other people that I, I look up to on the internet, I'm I'm in a way asking for permission, and I really don't need to because I know what I'm going to be doing. And so yeah, when it comes to starting anything on the internet, you know, just, just go for it. You don't need anyone's permission. 
Yeah. I, I think we, I heard the phrase without permission. I mean, you know, the, one of the things I've always said about entrepreneurship is that an entrepreneur cannot be satisfied. And the, what I mean by that is that if you're satisfied, you probably don't have any problems that you want to solve. Because if, if you believe that there was content out there that was as good at sharing the thing about notion or productivity or how to study better, which is what you've done, mm. you would have never started it. You weren't satisfied. And I think that's saying it's, it's also without, you know, you know, not being satisfied. You're saying, well, like, do I need permission to start this? Who do I? Because we're trained. We're literally our parents, our schooling. Everything is you need permission for this class. You yeah. need this structure. You need this acceptance. You need to raise your hand. Like one of my favorite books about this is called Teaching as a Subversive Activity. It's an older one. And if you haven't had read that one, it's phenomenal. It's like, how would schools be if they weren't ta- treated like factories? And so it kind of shifts a lot of the thinking around that. Uh, and I highly recommend it. But I, I think for everyone out there, it's like, no apologies without permission. <laughs> nice. Right? Yeah. And just get going. Fantastic. I think that's my biggest thing is I love people that watch this, watch our conversation and just do something for themselves. Like they improve their notion. They put out a post. They apply for a new job. They go and do the coffee challenge. Nice. Okay. Fantastic. I think that is a good place to end this, uh, to start wrapping things up. You know, just go out and do the things that you want to do. Don't ask, uh, don't ask for, for, for permission. Don't require permission. Just, just kind of go for it. So, um, can, uh, is, is there any kind of sort of resources that you, that you'd be able to kind of point to people to? Cause I know there's loads of people in, in the audience who are looking to kind of start their own businesses or start their own stuff. I wonder if you can just kind of plug yeah. a few things that you'd kind of recommend for people. I, it, it generally seems to be, I, I, I guess the audience is mostly, mostly students, mostly people who haven't started their own businesses yet. Like how would you suggest they get started? So we have a course. Uh, I just, re- I didn't want to reopen it just to be clear. And it's only $7 and there's no more sales or upsells or downsells or cross sells. And once you make $7, we give you the money back just to be crystal clear. And that's monthly1k.com. Frankly, if you just watch my Noah Kagan on YouTube, you'll get just as much. I think what, what I found through the course is that people need help with some accountability, right? Like it's easy to watch like an Ali video, but then sometimes you kind of need someone double checking or supporting you. So I highly recommend that. I would start a newsletter. So sendfox.com, it's, it's a tool I built for me because I was tired of overpaying. It's free uh, to start. There's no, no hidden sales. And just start sending out a newsletter once a week about anything you're interested in. Because 20 years later for me, it's been able to connect with cool people like you. Like, and as I got older, I'm trying to not get be an old curmudgeon. I'm 38. I know everything and I do it my way. It's like, I want to be around the 20 year olds like you who are doing notion. Like I'm even still like, ah, notion it's for the kids. And that's what I have to catch. Cause I'll tell you a true story. When I was at Facebook, we took over half of this office space and he said, there are half of this office space was a middle-aged Asian guy. And he's like, what do you guys do? We're like Facebook. It's a social network. He's like, oh, that's stupid. And then three months later we took over his office space and he moved out. Oh. And 10 years later, it went public, and now they're worth, you know, half a billion dollars, half a trillion dollars. And so I think you have to check your ego at the door, especially as we get older, because it's easier to get, you know, safe. And the reason sometimes you create greatness is because you didn't play it safe, because you made videos about fiction, because you were excited about it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, number one, monthly 1K. Number two, sendfox.com. Uh, obviously, you can check out my YouTube channel, Noah Kagan. Just search Noah Kagan or youtube.com slash okdork. Um, and if you have a business or you're starting a business, AppSumo.com is our site for software deals. So think of it like Amazon for for software tools to to run online companies. I think that's kind of the main thing. My newsletter is a free newsletter on marketing, sendfox.com slash Noah. 
Yeah, that's a pretty but good honestly, I mean, I think yeah. I think people, yeah, pretty good. That's what I aim for. I aim for just I, my my favorite grade was an A minus because oh, yeah. you got the A, but you didn't have to do all the work. Nice. And then I'll plug one other thing that I actually think your audience would really dig. This one is yeah. my Goodreads page, goodreadscom slash Kagan. and that's every single book I read with every single rating. So if you're like, oh, what books did they mention, uh, or what things are they mentioning, you could do that. It's also on okdort.com, my personal blog. Uh, I put a lot of book reviews similar to, to what you're doing, but your, your video for the book you put out on unfair advantage, hmm. it made me not want to do book videos because that not, not to just <laughs> you so much, but that was so damn good. Like how long did that take? Oh man. That video was so uh, it's really interesting with that video because, uh, Angus, one of the guys who's helping kind of live blog this as we go along, that was, that was entirely his edit and it was his first time editing a YouTube video. And all of the comments were like, oh my God, the editing on this is insane. And Angus had never edited a video before, but he actually took my Skillshare class on how to edit videos in Final Cut and just kind of worked through the 35 videos in that like a month ago. And now he's editing videos for the YouTube channel and it's, it, it's gotten like 150,000 views in two days and all the comments are saying, oh my God, this is amazing editing. So kudos to Angus for doing that. But I think it just speaks to the power of how just how much you can learn on the internet and then you just start putting stuff out there. Cause like it's free. It's it's like the first time the dudes edited a <laughs> edited a video and it was that good. So yeah. One other thing, um, we we do have a Facebook group. So I'm in a group of people who want to hang out with smart people like myself or others and connect. It's okdork.com/group. It's free. Uh, it's a chance that people can connect uh, and talk to other people because I I think one of the things, especially like it's easy to watch your videos and I don't know how you're doing it with your community, but like how can you become more of a hub to help connect? You know, like Luke and Stannis and Sadine yeah. and like. Because they want to talk to each other, man. And like I, what I found, especially this is what I learned early in life. Like the book I read was Never Eat Alone uh, by Keith Ferrazzi, which it, it's, a, it's a very strong book. But the more that you could become a hub and have events or be a hub and connect people or be a hub and connect community, mm. uh, one, your life is more enriched. But two, people think of you as an expert. Uh, and it's a great way to, to build a community. Yeah, that's something I'm I'm thinking about a lot. So a, f- a few months ago, I started a um, a, a channel on Discord. Uh, and that had like a few thousand people in it kind of uh, giving each other homework to homework tips and stuff. It, it became very unmanageable just because of the sheer volume of people. So I've been looking for like a new kind of way of doing it. Facebook groups seemed a bit like that's where the old people are at <laughs> rather than this is where the kids are. <laughs> and hey, so, hey, well, <laughs> I heard you. But no, I think, so yeah, I think I could get a lot of value from Facebook. And I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of other people could if I, if we just kind of unfollowed our newsfeed and started joining these Facebook groups instead. Because I know a lot of people you know, you've got one, Tiago Forte has one, you know, there's, there's all sorts of Facebook groups of kind of smart people out there where you can learn a lot of stuff. And that might be one way to get more value out of Facebook. There's, so what I found, we've actually, we custom built our own forum software to build our own community. Uh, and the problem is that people, it's hard to change behaviors. So you mm-hmm. have to figure out how do you enhance behavior. And if people are on Instagram, if they're on YouTube, if they're on Discord, that's easier to kind of keep them there. So that's where I've done more of the Facebook stuff. Yeah. Um, there's some community software uh, I'll find out what it's called and I'll send it to you. Maybe building like a forum. Like my buddy has uh, a forum that he uses like copywritingcourse.com slash join. You could see the forum example. Yeah. And it basically is a way that people can help answer each other's questions. The other thing I don't like about Facebook is they own the community mm. and all the information. So it's not public and it's locked in their their garden, their vault. Yeah. But I'll, I'll send you a message. I'll send you the, the forum software when I find out what he uses. Because I think your people would honestly appreciate it if they can help each other even better. It yeah. probably needs more structure. Absolutely. It seems like people are keen on the Discord thing. Might have to reinstate that potentially at some point once we can f- figure out a way of managing like 10,000 people in it. A subreddit potentially, that could work. 
<laughs> oh, that's cool, man. I like that. That's a good idea. Rainbow, r- random rainbow 1200. Good shout. I think a subreddit or the software just on, on your site. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Noah, for, for taking the time. It's been a solid two hours. This has been a lot of fun. And where'd it go? Yeah, wow. it just completely flies when you're <laughs> talking about cool stuff. And guys, like all the stuff that we've talked about, all the books, all the apps, all of the things, the, the, the different challenges that Noah was talking about, the coffee challenge, the newspaper challenge, the help challenge, uh, all of this stuff is on that Notion page. And there's a link in the video description along with links to all of Noah's stuff. Uh, sign up to uh, subscribe to his podcast. It's very good. So subscribe to the email newsletter and and the blog it's just all like generally good insights for if you want to start a business if you're going to grow a business like all of, all of this sort of stuff um yeah thank you so much for taking the time Noah. ollie thank you for having me every single one of you out there i love you go to do something for yourselves today uh it's been it's been a pleasure this made my day thank you so much man all right we'll see you later guys bye-bye That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.